1: Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: It's a really fun, inventive format, and it's like nothing we've ever seen. And on top of that, we're talking about a bunch of teams that are going to be well-rested and healthy and not completely drained from an 82-game season like we do see in other playoffs. Uh, so this could be an unprecedented level of competition on top of an unprecedented level of teams in the postseason.
2: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show. That was Greg Wyshynski on ESPN Over the weekend, and I want to talk about some comments from Doug Armstrong because Jamie, hockey's coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like it. We're about seven, eight weeks away, but we're getting close. Hockey's coming back, baby. And Doug Armstrong talked to the St. Louis Post Dispatch about the current NHL playoff format and how the Blues feel about all of it. I want to throw a few of these quotes at you. Let's discuss them kind of as we go along here. The first one that really jumps out to me he said, quote, I would say the majority of the NHL is gonna say that they're not sure there's a big benefit of being a one two three or a four seed a big difference here is like Greg Wasinski said everybody's gonna be healthy that's the key to all of this end quote that was the end of Doug Armstrong's quote to St. Louis post dispatch. All these teams are healthy. The benefit that you typically get from being a higher seed of getting the home ice advantage, that's obviously not going to be there. Some of the benefits of playing these teams that might be skidding into the postseason, that's not going to be there because they're going to be the team that just won a playoff ish series the week prior. So there are some drawbacks to it, but the majority of the one, two, three, and four seeds say that there's not a huge difference between any of those top four seeds.
3: No, and the Army's right. I mean, there really isn't. I mean, it's. it would be nice to have your pick of the litter as far as the lower seeds, but at the end of the day, it's really not going to matter. I mean, the playoffs when it comes around, especially now, everybody's healthy. Um, now, the, the, I want to isolate that for a second because in the crossover, Danny Mack brought up a good point about, you know, the injuries of coming yep. back. Well, that's going to play a big part in this because, yes, you're going to go into your training camp with everybody healthy. Now, are you coming out of that little training camp with everybody healthy? Whose groins are gone? Whose hip flexors are gone? Who tweaks a shoulder? Something, a back, you know? And now you're limping into the postseason or the round robin portion of it, maybe with a guy that's kind of hurt. Maybe he's not hurt enough that he can't play, but now he's playing injured. Does that get worse from there? Are you going into the real playoffs then with your full healthy team? Time will tell. And that's not just the Blues. That'll be everybody across the board. And now the bright side of things for the St. Louis Blues is certainly Vladimir Tarasenko would be, I would imagine, more than 100% at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, his shoulders got to be ready. Now the only question mark is he also hasn't played in forever. Never mind like a real game. He hasn't practiced and been on the ice, and it's going to take some time for him to get back up to speed too, but yeah, that's the only thing I see is is the being healthy. One, two, three, four. Um, yeah, I mean, would you like to be seated higher? Possibly, but at the end of the day, I don't think it makes that big of a deal. So
2: Army talked about Tarasenko. He said, quote, we thought he'd be ready for the playoffs anyway. We know now for sure that he's going to be ready for this postseason, so there's no question about his health. I wanted to talk about the injury issues that you brought up there for a second because i was listening to an nfl player talk about this and he said listen the difficult part for us is not staying in shape that's that's easy we all do that right they do that every off season. they go with their personal trainers and they make sure that they're in shape to play football games the difference is some of the things that you do whether it be football or basketball or hockey whichever sport it is are different than staying in shape It's the side-to-side movement, the quick turn-and-stop things that ultimately get these guys into trouble. So I wonder if that's going to be what is the biggest issue for these hockey players as well of the quick shifts, right? Going in there and going 100% for whatever it is, a minute, two minutes on any given shift, going back and then getting ready to go again. That's going to be where some of these injuries arise from.
3: Yeah, and there's generally no resistance either, right? When you're skating in practice, I mean, there's a little bit of bumping, but guys are pretty careful. You don't want to hit the guy or screw him up and you know so the fact that in a real game there's gonna be full-on resistance like when you're trying to skate up the ice at full speed and someone comes smashing into you your body you can't just you can't simulate that unless you're doing it on a regular basis and the thing we have to remember too is the regular season in a normal format you kind of limp your way in there's six seven preseason games you pick a few your veterans play a handful here you do this they're going to be going right now, and I said this a long time ago, it's like literally being dropped onto a treadmill that's at you know, level 10 right away. <laughs> and your legs, you got to go, right? So what What could go wrong, right? Like, imagine that. You, For me, my knees and my hips would blow out. There'd be parts everywhere. Now, these guys are in much better shape than, than I am, of course. Oh, don't sell yourself short. But it still is relevant because they're going to be hitting the ground running at a, a really high pace. And the big stakes right now, right into a playoff format. Like, this, nah, there's no just easing your way in.
2: The last quote that I wanted to get to from Army. He was talking about why he thinks the Blues specifically are set up well to succeed in this postseason. He said they've been through it. They've stayed together. We didn't make a lot of changes at the deadline. They know what's in store. They know what's ahead of them. Our game is work based and detail based and I do think that is easier to come back than if it was skills based or something different, end quote. I want to get your thoughts on this, Jamie, because there is going to be some questions of, is this going to benefit the younger players? Is this going to benefit the teams that are more based on speed and skill is it going to favor a heavy game i don't know the answer to these questions i don't know if anybody does honestly but what do you think of what army says there about this potentially being a benefit for the
3: blues well army's kind of given out the secret sauce Right there. I mean, anybody who's reading uh, the post-dispatch around the NHL should realize that that's the secret sauce for the Blues, is that uh, they're very sound systematically, and they work extremely hard. They possess the puck. They absolutely dare you to take the puck from them, and so much so that you get exhausted while doing it. Skill-based teams, run and gun, trying to go. There's a lot of, you know, gaps on the ice. There's a lot of areas for pucks to fly through for other teams to take advantage of. The way the Blues play so tight. That is going to be the difference. That's going to be the number one thing that separates them in a playoff mode like this, where other teams, the talented guys like the McDavids and all that, they need to live bit a runway to get their skills going here. The Blues can jump right in and literally, uh, Alex, kind of pick up where they left off. Yeah, well, and what I was
2: just thinking about, what you guys were just talking about with the injuries and, you know, going through training camps. Look, you need training camps to get up to hockey speed of, of the skills and the skating and making sure your body can do those quick turns like BK mentioned, you know what doesn't need training? Craig Berube's style of hit him and play. Because if you got guys who haven't skated in three months, who haven't been taking hits in three months like you would in the offseason, and you're just jumping into a training camp and then jumping into playoff format, imagine what's going to happen if the Blues can just go out there. You don't need to train to just throw your body at other teams and get the puck and create possession. To be honest, every series the Blues play in, in my eyes, if they can get to that style like we know they can, is going to look like the Shark Series, where you just got banged up bodies because the Blues
3: have that advantage, I feel like. And their depth is going to be yeah, key. Huge. Okay, that's one thing we can't overlook here is, to your point, Alex, of the smash and bang kind of hockey, you're going to lose bodies yourself. Yeah. You're going to lose bodies. You're going to sacrifice some of your own players. Definitely. But the good thing about the Blues is they have guys sitting there waiting that can do the and job. And they're
2: expanding those rosters, too, with some AHL players that can come up. And Barubi's done a really good job of testing those bodies. He's He's gone deep into their depth over the course mm-hmm. of the season. They're not just going to throw them into the postseason. They've actually seen them in playoff or in significant settings before. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's 1110. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've got to bring up the elephant in the room because Alex Ferrario, for the entire time that I've known him, has had a beard. Mm -hmm. He's been a guy that—it's not just like—I have a little bit of stubble. Mm -hmm. I don't have a beard. I have stubble, right? Alex has the full, like— amish beard growing and i walked in today and of course as we we're kind of practicing our social distancing and all of these different things alex walks into the studio with his mask on and so i say what's up and everything we expect exchange pleasantries then we get ready to come on air he takes off the mask it was the reveal and it's a reveal <laughs> of a baby-faced clean-shaven yeah. young man Alex, you look 20 years younger, buddy. Uh, I take that as a compliment. Um, I don't like having a beard gone. Like, that's rough. But I will say a couple things. I golfed this weekend. You spend seven hours on a golf course in 85-degree weather. You understand that that Amish beard is really hot. It's like an afghan over your face. You're sweating nonstop. That was part of it. The other part of it was I actually tried to trim it and get it to around the stubble that you and Rivs have. Here's the issue, though. I haven't trimmed or shaved my face since I had my surgery. And when you try and trim it, you put that one bald spot in the middle of your face. And you said, oh, hell. Time to shave it all off and start it from scratch. I like
3: it. you're built for speed now. No wind resistance.
2: <laughs> that's the thing. I, I I got some 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 positives <laughs> going my way. But if we're seven to eight weeks away from the playoff, guys, seven to eight weeks to build this playoff oh, beard that's up, right. and then we're ready to roll. So the thing about this is, like, I realized. Alex, part of his identity is the beard. Yeah, like there are certain people who I just I can't see them without their facial hair, right? Or if they have like super long hair or super short hair, and you can see it grow over time. Mm -hmm. Somebody can easily go from non-beard to like small beard, and it doesn't change much about them because it comes over time. The thing about Mm -hmm. shaving the beard is it's immediate, right? Yeah. Or if you have like a a massive haircut, it's immediate. You go from like mohawk. Like Jamie Rivers suddenly showing up on Monday with a mohawk. I loved it. It becomes part of your identity. I feel like certain people are bearded men, and Alex Ferrario is the definition of a bearded man. I appreciate that. That makes me feel more manly when you have the beard. And we we always hear it when Joe Vitale joins us, <laughs> and Joe yeah. Vitale's open said, You always look ten times tougher with a beard. But the other factor is and Rivs, you can attest to this. BK, you might be able to as well. When you're when you get out of the no shower guarantees. after you shave. And your significant other looks at you and goes, oh, what'd you do? <laughs> do you shave in the shower? No. No, I don't. Do you I shave don't. in the shower? I, I do the razor like I'll go down to stubble in the shower like what I did was I trimmed over the trash can so I threw the big hair away and then you go into the shower and you just razor
3: the rest I off. I go right sting. outside for that. I go right out in the backyard do I used you? To? and I sit on a chair and when I'm going to like trim my beard like when I take right. it off and I just whoosh, off it go. I don't I feel like no matter where I am in the house it's going to be a disaster so I take, I take it right outdoors. See I
2: used to but my dog eats my beard hair. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah
3: my dog goes out there and if
2: there's a pile of the beard hair when you try and sweep it off the patio and into the lawn, my dog finds a way to get that beard hair and eat it. See, I, my hair's so <laughs> short that <laughs> I, I, I guess assume. you don't deal with that ribs, huh? Sorry. <laughs> no. He's got the five-month-old puppy, and the puppy doesn't even touch yeah. the hair. No, and
4: I'm kind of concerned some, about some
2: dogs eat poop. My dog eats beard hair. I Is assume, it only beard hair? No, he eats a lot of other things. Sorry, BK.
3: <laughs> I'm just BK. worried about you
2: trimming the bushes, you know? <laughs> I do that. I do that over uh, trash. Th- I don't take that outside either. You got Neighbors. Don't you want got the neighbor. dog
3: in the trash can,
2: you know? <laughs> you got neighbors in close
5: vicinity. You can't take that outside.
3: Yeah, I don't do that yeah, near. Either. You, oh, you don't? <laughs> no. No, no
5: that's I'm the,
2: actually surprised by I'm legitimately surprised by Jamie admitting this. <laughs> I don't even want to tell my <laughs> no. story anymore. That's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Braden Shin's going to join us coming up at noon. I want to see what he's been up to. When we had Vince Dunn on, he said Braden Shin is one of the guys that handles the DJ for the team. I want to ask him what his last concert was prior to this pandemic. So we'll get into that coming up at noon. At 30 we we're gonna play uh Price's Right game, a Craigslist, Price's Right Game. So we'll get into that coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, yes, we have to talk about baseball. And it was a big weekend for baseball. It's going to be a massive week for baseball. We'll give you the latest next on 101
1: ESPN. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.
6: We've got a pandemic going on right now. We've got a, a crisis going on across the country where cities are burning, and are we really going to be the ones who can't come to a deal right now? It's just more for baseball to consider uh, than it has already, and if it wants to be the first professional sport in America, first major professional sport to come back, then this week is going to be absolutely seminal.
2: Alongside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK. That was Jeff Passon earlier today on Get Up on ESPN. Yes, it is June 1st. Otherwise known as the date that Major League Baseball was suggesting was a deadline. <laughs> it apparently is not a deadline. It's not over. Not over, not over not yet. Over. There, oh, you're right. There could be an 11th hour deal <laughs> at the end of the day on June 1st. After we have finally had the first round of proposals, which took a full week to get to from both Major League Baseball and the Players Association, yesterday we started getting some of the details from the MLBPA offer. It includes a 114 game season the full prorated pay so the half season or 114 game season or whatever it may be for the players they also are requesting a 100 million dollar advance for players for simply showing up to spring training and that would be paid whether or not they play the postseason certainly a sticking point for the owners the proposal also includes the rights for individual players to opt out if they decide not to play this season They would get a year of service, but would not be paid for this year if they decide to do so. And the season would run from June 30th to October 31st. So those are the details of the plan. The important part to me is not any of that necessarily so much as it is they sent the plan to the owners. We can now get to the next round of the negotiation, and we're at least getting closer. Closer, we'll see how close, but closer to what can be a resolution here.
3: Yeah, I don't know if I feel that way. <laughs> Good. Really, I don't. I yeah. don't know if I feel that way. Like, the, the owner's proposal to the players, we all kind of giggled. We're like, oh, my gosh, look at this. Like, there's no way. And before, it even, before the ink was even dry on that, the players were like, yeah, that's not going to work. And now I look at this proposal back to the owners, and I kind of feel the same way. I'm like, guys, you're really not trying to get to a solution here. And I understand negotiations. I Trust me, went through a whole life of negotiating contracts and stuff. But the, you usually try to find something close to your wheelhouse, especially when deadlines are involved. No deadline. Guess what? Dig your heels in and you're in for the long fight right now. We don't have time for that. So in my opinion, the player should have come back with something. A little closer to the end goal and then what your hope is if the owners look at it and go you know what they're giving in this area here I feel like we've got some trust building up let's give back and then finally you get to the middle and you get there sooner than you would have doing it this way so I don't know. I, I think that they're you know 114 game season. Obviously, that behooves the players because they'll make more money. Why? What? What is the inspiration for the owners to add all those games? So there's no fans. There's no revenue coming in. In fact, there's more money going out because they have to pay the players. Then a hundred million dollar advance just to show up. Hey, I like you, but not that much. You know, yeah. like. The part, that, the part that really hung me up was adding 32 games
2: onto what the owner's proposal. 32 games is a lot of games to add in in this short of a time frame because you're ending on October 31st. I really don't think the players understand how many games are going to be playing in this short of time. So that's the part that really
3: hung me up. Yeah, and that also brings up my next point is all these extra games and who's going to be the first ones to complain about the workload? I think a lot of them will. The damn players will be. But you did this to yourself and it's just because of what? Money. They I want w- to get more
2: money. I was listening to uh, Scoop's Danny Mac earlier today, and I apologize. I'm blanking on the name right now. But he had a doctor on who was Rick talking Lehman. about. Doc uh, Lehman. And he was talking about what baseball players are getting into with some of these plans. And he specifically said, you know, he was talking about, like, the, the differences between hockey, basketball, and Major League Baseball and the plans that they all have, right? And it's basically how many cities are you going to be playing in. For hockey, it's going to be two. For the NBA, it'll be one. For baseball, it's going to be up to as many as they can between <laughs> the 26 <laughs> (laughs) And he was like, listen, I know there's some players that aren't thrilled about the idea of playing in Chicago or New York. It's like, wait, that was your idea. Your idea was we don't want to be quarantined in hub cities. And so this is the obvious uh, alternative to that idea. What did you think was going to be the plan? That's where you see
3: how there's a divide in the players, right? right? And if you don't think the owners are paying attention to all this stuff, they are. And if there's any kind of divide amongst the players, the owners are going to feel like they have the power. So, and it's tough. Yeah.
2: So the other part of this plan was a deferred payment plan. And I don't totally understand the way that it works. But basically, it, it, it's not all that important because the proposal is not going to be accepted. So you don't need to know the details of it. But essentially, there are payments that are paid out that would be deferred to the next two years. So they would It can push- be
3: longer to negotiate upon. I, I mean, sure. I've seen a lot of player contracts deferred to four or five years down the road to make you whole. Uh, uh, as far as all of your money for
6: the contract, so the
2: players are offering a deferred payment that would get a portion of their salaries paid instead of upfront this year, so it would solve a cash flow problem for some of the owners. You pay it over in this proposal two years; it could be three, four, five. It doesn't matter how long it is ultimately, but that's kind of what they're throwing out there. Now they also said paid with interest. Yeah, that's not happening. The juice
3: right. is right. running. Yeah, come on now, interest? Are you kidding me right now? But I don't blame them. Okay, I don't blame them. You got to start. It's somewhere. a negotiation. It, but not only that, but I don't blame them too because. Because uh, you, listen, you guys get paid every two weeks. And when you get your money, if you have any kind of retirement plan or something you're investing in, even, you know, whatever, pennies, dollars, whatever, for these guys, they're investing. Like the guys that are making millions. A big portion of that money is going right to the financial advisor and it starts making money for itself immediately. So if they don't have that money in their pocket, they can't make more money with their own money. So guess what? Yeah, the juice has to be running because you're holding on to my money, probably as the owner, holding onto that money, making money on the payroll that you're keeping because you're going to put that in some interest-bearing account, right? That makes sense. That's why they got to have it that way.
2: It makes sense, and we've all got to keep in the back of our minds that this is a proposal from the Players Association just the way that the one from the owners was earlier this week. They know this isn't what it's going to look like. Now, it's silly to me that we had to start on such opposite ends of the spectrum. It's insane to me that we couldn't be somewhere closer Mm -hmm. to the middle early on. But if the players are are suggesting what was it 114 games right now, it, it, they want to get down to 100. That, that's what they're saying. They're yeah. saying you offered eighty-two, we're gonna offer one fourteen. Let's hope we can meet in the middle somewhere around a yeah. hundred. If they're offering deferred payments with interest, they're probably suggesting we'll just take the deferred payments down the road. That's something that we could negotiate down to. So I will say this in terms of the optimistic side of things. The fact that they did offer a few olive branches to the owners makes me more optimistic than I was. That being said, there were also reports coming out from the owner's side of things over the weekend that made me more pessimistic. Because when you have a guy like Buster Olney saying in his story, quote, sources say there's a group of owners perfectly willing to shut down the season to slash payroll costs and reduce losses in disparate uh, in the disparate views among the 30 teams have been reflected in the decisions to fire and furlough. This suggests to me that there are also owners out there, and Jeff Passan kind of reiterated this over the weekend as well, that are just fine saying, screw it, we won't play this year. And if that is truly their their vision, that is truly their plan, and you have more than one of those owners out there, that makes me fear that they're maybe not negotiating in good faith.
3: Well, that and also if there's a small little group of owners uh, that we're thinking exist out there that don't want to play, when you have... I don't call ridiculous. When you have a somewhat ridiculous offer coming back from the players... Guess what they're doing? They're picking up the phone. They're calling all a couple of their other buddies that are like on the fence and going, I told you, see, they don't want to do this. It's not worth it for us. We're going to lose m- hundreds of millions of dollars in this. We just need to pack it up. That's it for the see And now that starts to grow. That yep. little cancerous cell right? starts to grow amongst the owners. And then guess what? Instead of the next proposal coming back from the owners where we think, okay, we're going to meet the halfway. It, it comes back even more hard line than the first one. And you're no farther ahead. We're getting closer
2: and closer to the point where we need to have baseball. We, we need to have some sort of a decision. And Tony LaRusso was quoted over the weekend in the St. Louis Post saying basically, at some point in the next two weeks, there has to be a deal. If we're going to get this done, you, you have to get this thing done uh, soon. Because July 15th is basically, from Tony LaRusso's perspective, the absolute deadline for when they can start baseball to have any sort of a actual regular season to get an 80 ish games, which seems like kind of the cutoff to have a reasonable season to actually crown a champion. Uh, July 15th is six weeks away. If You start backtracking these things and you look at, okay, you need three weeks, let's say for the spring training 2.0. Well, that's 3 weeks away from now. Mm-hmm. And you're still going to need some time to negotiate. You're still going to need time to get these players into their cities, mm-hmm.
3: tested, quarantined. quarantined. Yeah. Cuz a lot of these guys are overseas back in their home town or their home country states. That's yeah, true too. That's a whole other massive yeah. problems too. You've got a week. You got a
2: week mm-hmm. at this point. We've talked all along about what's the deadline? What's the real deadline? It sounds like one week. Gotta get this time next week, they've gotta be in.
3: You gotta get two guys in a boardroom or the two sides, whatever representatives, and you have to literally impose a lockdown on yourselves to where we're not leaving this. I don't care if it takes a day, two days, three days. We'll put in ten hours a day right now. We're not leaving this until there's a deal done so that we can get baseball going again.
2: Alongside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on one oh one ESPN. I want to play a game of Craigslist Prices Right. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN.
1: This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's play a game of Craigslist Prices Right. There's a lot going on in the world I right love now. The Price Let's is
3: right. keep things a little light today. How's that sound, gentlemen? I love it. Now, do you like to Drew Carey Prices Right or Bob no. Barker? Oh, Bob Barker. Barker's original. Right. Barker's Beauties. Come on, Barker's Beauties. Oh my.
2: Barker is without question on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest all-time game show yep. Alright, I
3: just wanted to clarify that I didn't want to have to have a fight in here. Well, now that now that's a side... I don't want to get too far, but we got Bob Barker. I'm putting Steve Harvey up there as well with Family Feud. Uh, no, Richard Dawson from Family Feud. You don't know. That- oh, yeah. Oh, that I guy? know. Him. I feel like Trebek's got to be up there. Trebek's uh, up does. there. You're going to put the lip locker before Steve Dude, Harvey? It was always entertaining because yeah, he went in for the ch- kiss and then not like the, the cheek kiss. He went full yeah. in lip to lip on everybody. And
2: I always loved the husbands next to
3: the wives looking at them yeah. like, oh, thanks for doing
2: that, Richard. Yeah. Appreciate, Appreciate you kissing my wife. Regis just filled it up there. I was about to put yeah. him on the list. I feel like he's got be Howie Mandel, there. maybe. Mm. I don't know about yeah. Howie. I don't know about Howie. Howie didn't do it long enough. Yeah. Dealer No Deal was only. It, it had like a two or three year yeah, stretch right. where it was in its prime. I think we put. Regis. It was a good prime, we but it was rusty out of prime. it. Yeah. Megan Bob so Barker. We, we got. Barker, All right. We got, Price is okay, right. Yeah, here we go. So, Price Is Right, Craigslist edition. <laughs> I went through <laughs> Craigslist this morning and found a bunch of random things that you can buy right here locally in St. Louis. So, boys. Here's the rules. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen prices right, but <laughs> if you haven't, here we go. Closest to the number without going over is your winner. Oh boy. Got a few rounds. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rounds. Best of seven is our winner today. We're going to start with a Chicago Bulls 1996 vintage t shirt. You can buy this one in Springfield, Illinois. The description it's a vintage NBA Finals 1996 Bulls Greatest Team in History t shirt. It is a player size, so it is a double XL. It is, quote, in fairly good shape and hasn't been worn in years. What would you say this is going for right now on Craigslist? Am
3: I going first? You can go first on this round, Jamie Rivers. We'll go back and forth. Okay. Okay. Uh, The fact that it's been worn before definitely takes a value down. Okay. Uh, The double XL also, you're a very limited group of people. At that point, you're narrowing your possible customer. I'm going to say optimistically this person won't get this, but I think they'd be asking – $40.
2: $40. For okay, me. $40 is our first guess for the 1996 Vintage Bulls t-shirt. Alex Ferrario, what's your guess for this first round? Before I guess, can I ask if you guys' opinion is going to change me if I'm a complete donkey here and just, like, say $41? No, I get that. No, that would okay. change it. Uh, what, you what, might get what? hot <laughs> okay. to at okay. you. Okay, uh, because, like, the
3: reasons you said, but also... I thought about that <laughs> earlier, Jim. Yeah. Like, every time Ferrario goes, I'm going $1 more, and I'm uh, like, I can't yeah, do that. That's
2: a complete donkey yeah. move. Uh, no autographs and everything that Riv said. Mm, that's correct, but but I also feel like the person's gonna try and overprice it because of right now the Michael Jordan doc. I'm gonna say 60 bucks. Ooh, 60 I get your strategy. To
3: that person, it's worth more. You're always gonna overdo it on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. right. So
2: I will say, I'm not a big memorabilia guy, as we talked about the other day. I do like the t-shirts though. Stuff that you can wear, stuff that you can remember it by as like tangible pieces of your wardrobe. Like hats. I'm not a hat guy got too small of a head for it, but if if you are a hat guy, I get the hat thing. T-shirts from concerts, I'm in on that. As for this T-shirt, it is currently going for $70. Oh, $70 wow. on Craigslist. If Someone's you want your 1996 vintage Chicago Bulls T-shirt, you can do so right now Or on just Craigslist. go to Goodwill for $70. Yeah, you could also for do that. free. <laughs> All right, next up here in Price is Right, Craigslist edition, we've got some Blues bottles. Blues bottles. So these are a Let's Go Blues Pepsi Cola bottle. They're from uh, Old Arena on them. 1974 vintage, truly, quote, great keepsake, keepsake. Get them while they are hot. Mm. So they how keep much them in do the you car. think each of these bottles are going for so right are now? Are they selling them Alex in bulk Bonk or individually? You can buy them for two for a price, but I'm asking you individually. individually. okay. How much are these blues bottles? It's a Pepsi Cola glass bottle. Glass bottle, old arena. 74 vintage 74 style. I'm going to say $30. $30 for each of them. Jamie Rivers, you are up next. Hmm, We're yeah. playing Price is Right, Craigslist I, edition.
3: I, again, I think this is a sentimental thing. I think that it's the old arena. And yeah. anybody you talk to in St. Louis, it's always like, remember back at the arena. You know, like mm-hmm. that whole thing. I'm going 50 bucks, Nice.
2: <laughs> $50 for nice. each one. Yeah. Yeah. You guys should both go ahead and get on Craigslist right now and purchase a couple of these because you can get two for 25 ah, or one oh. for 15 right now. Ah, we got ourselves a deal. Here we go. Gosh! So man. the winner of each of the first two rounds so far is Alex Ferrario. Well, he was over on yeah, that. Yeah, that's prices Right oh, rules. Oh, over. Closest, closest without going over. Hey, my Bob apologies. Barker, get it
3: together over there, would you?
2: I am no Bob Barker. <laughs> He's old Bob Barker. We're a <laughs> senile <laughs> starting to kick in. Price
3: is right. Wait, what did you say?
2: Next up on Craigslist uh, edition of Price is Right, we've got a Super Mario 64 in 64 authentic game. So it is what it sounds mm. like, a Super Mario 64 in 64 authentic game. It's only one of them. You can play it if you have your N64, of course. These have become a little bit of vintage games right now. What would you guess? Ribs is just like what is this game?
3: I know the game, but I'm like, really? I'll say ten bucks. Okay, no no way. I would say. I don't want to overprice it, but I'm going to say
2: $35. Wow, he is almost right on, Jamie Rivers. He is just kicking your ass in this game so far. A Super Mario 64 in 64 for Authentic. You can buy it in Brentwood
3: right now for $40. Oh, my God. Those video game nerds, Rims, they will, they will overprice those bad boys. Can you imagine buying that game for 40 bucks? <laughs> I think I'd punch myself yeah, in the face. you regret
2: life when you do that. Oh my God. So here's one that I think might be a little bit difficult. There's not a whole lot needed for the description of this. You can... Buy four diamond box tickets to the Cardinals versus the Braves, the game that was supposed to take place on May 21st. So you're taking a bit of a leap of faith that this game will still be played or that they will at least give you the refund of the money. for diamond box, tic- box tickets, Cardinals versus Braves. What would that be going for right now? Well, I- I'm assuming they're going to be trying to get some type of money back on this. I'm not going to get their exact money back. I'm going to say $300. $300 is the guess. Yeah,
3: that's right where I was I'm thinking. trying to think of those diamond box, too. Uh,
2: they're good seats. S- yeah. Box, uh, they're 159, section 159, row one. How many? Four?
3: You get four of them. Yeah, you said three. I said three. I'm gonna, gonna condition on this one a little bit. In but I have service. to be careful. I gotta get some points here. I'm gonna go 350. 350. and I mean, I leave you a little margin. Yeah, I'm not I trying think, to be that guy. No, but, but
2: I think you're closer on that one. I just didn't know if I want to overprice it or not. Like I
3: think in my head, I think it's like 395-ish. That's all right.
2: That's not a donkey move. That's just like a, a wild ass move, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll take that. <laughs>
3: so Ferrario guess 300.
2: Jamie gets $350. they are going for $200 right now. Wow. $200 for four diamond box tickets well, yeah, to the Cardinals it's versus the Braves. already gone I'm by. Play, right. I'm thinking Damn. those are like 125 dollars tickets per seat, though.
3: So I really suck at this game. It's not going well it's for not you. Going it's really well. not going well. It's all right,
2: your rap game is better than mine. <gasps> My God! All right, so must sell today. Must sell today. This is in Chesterfield. It's an air hockey table by Ooh, XT baby. Sports. Again, it must sell today. It has wood grain sides and black support pieces. 82 inches long, 46 inches wide. It is a true air hockey table. It is a little bit vintage i'll tell you that
3: hmm. god these can go for a lot I of know. money too that's a problem it's I've like if you get the, before yeah if you've got the right collector or the right stuff
2: ah, a reminder it must sell today. must sell
3: today 250 bucks
2: i'm gonna go a little over that one 375 wow you guys are way off oh god like 50 bucks. 50, 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> i might be going to get myself an air hockey table if you're and gonna, selling it to us. <laughs> right, Give it what you think it's worth. I gotta say, if you could have any, like, parlor game in your house, air hockey's pretty close to being up at the top of that list. I think
3: I would put a Pac Man machine in my house if I could get it. The Galaga machine oh, yeah. and a bubble hockey. Bubble. I've always wanted a bubble hockey. i got one at home right now. It's, uh, it's not working. It's just collecting <laughs> dust, but it was a, it was quite a piece yeah. when it was.
2: And a buddy worked works with the Blues after the Winter Classic, he bought one of the Winter Classic ones. Oh, nice. It was a couple thousand dollars, but he said it's the best purchase he's ever had. All right, it. so it's interesting you mentioned uh, the Pac-Man arcade machine because the next one up is a Mortal Kombat arcade one up. Machine that you can buy this right now in Afton, Missouri. What do you believe? And it's just your typical Mortal Kombat game, your arcade game. Just the game, right? Not the big the big one. Oh the big machine. The machine that you can put into your house that you would find at an arcade bar. What do you think this is going for on Craigslist right now?
3: Is this one me ribs? Yeah, this is you. I'm gonna put
2: this at six hundred dollars. If it's the legit machine. Yeah. Those, goes from like, those go for like a thousand or something. I'm gonna say six hundred.
3: Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good number right there. Dang. So Sorry, he's firm on this one. Firm. I'll go 750. Wow, you guys are
2: really struggling on this. You can get yourself a Mortal Kombat arcade one up right now in Afton, Missouri for just $250. Will you send me that email address? I'm going to find a way to bring that bad boy home. I
3: almost said 250 too, just because I'm like, I want to be under. I don't I want to make sure I'm not over. Know, I've been going over. I was over. like, you know what? It's probably worth more. I remember how big these things are, and I ah.
2: Final one for you guys. Yeah, please, take me out of my misery. <laughs> yeah. Just take the dog out back. The God. KidCraft Matilda Dollhouse, including 23 accessories. You can buy this right now in Chesterfield, Missouri. It's brand new in factory sealed box. You've got three floors, a bathtub, and a made doll size. Uh, movable modern wood case, functioning side door. You've got a balcony on this thing. I mean, it's it's got all the works here. It is a KidCraft Matilda Dollhouse, and it includes 23 accessories in Chesterfield, Missouri. Is anyone picturing 40-year-old virgin right now with all of his toys in
3: the packages? You can't unwrap oh, it! Oh, my gosh. Um, the dollhouse. My gosh. I'll say 100 bucks. Okay. I'm gonna, they, they sound like they really care about this thing. I'm going to put this at 215
2: you guys really just a disaster. Uh, just a disaster. I had a good show in the first three. Jamie, you weren't terribly far off, but you did go over. Oh my god!
3: <laughs> I even try. I was. You know what? The damn text line goes. Damn, Ribs, bid one dollar. I was going to, but I'm like, I'm going Get first. first Ribs, right, I'm going first. I can't bid a dollar. Ferrari, will go ten
2: bucks. I would have donkeyed him and went fifteen. Ah. The Matilda Dollhouse, including 23 accessories, brand new in its own factory-sealed packaging. It's currently going for $75 on Craigslist. Well, it's worth more than that. Oh, come (laughs) on now. Come on, you're selling yourself short by default. It's Alex Ferrario. Congratulations, (laughs) Alex Ferrario. Our winner of the Craigslist price is right. Is that really a win? Should I feel proud of this? I think is my question. I'm asking. No, you should both be ashamed. Uh, Yeah, I I, think so. uh. (laughs) We should both be ashamed. (laughs) That's brutal. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Get your questions in. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers is next. This is the
1: Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: With
2: former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie, Braden Shin's going to join us coming up at the top of the hour, so stay tuned for that. Right now, it's time for questions and answers. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line to get your questions in. Let's do some of these, Jamie, from the 636. Guys, what are your top three Tom Hanks movies of all time? Wow. Um good. Good. He's got a hell of a catalog. Yeah, he does. I was going through some of these during the break because I saw that this had come in. Some of the ones that immediately came to mind for me. Saving Private Ryan would be up there. Philadelphia is one oh, that probably yeah. doesn't get mentioned enough for him. Him and Denzel. Forrest Gump, obviously. Yeah, Forrest Gump's everyone's number one. The Green Mile was a really good one. Yeah, it was. Captain Phillips was tremendous. And I would have the Post probably up there for me.
3: Okay, so here they are for me. In no particular order. Forrest Gump. Okay. Okay. Big, oh, that's a good one. And bachelor party, bachelor party. I've never seen that. That's a, it's a good one too. It, it's a little older, like it's one of his very first movies. Comedy, comedy, and it's hilarious. It's amazing yeah. how much of a
2: transition he made from like the the mid nineties, really around Philadelphia. Yeah, he mm-hmm. went from being a comedic actor to being a true like drama yeah. actor, and then he had that moment of like the rom coms. He's had a hell of a career, man. Are we putting Obviously. Toy Story in these? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think no, you can. No. Just because I mean, it's the it's voice. Just a voice. Okay, so then he's,
3: he's the voice, though. Yeah, but no. Him I'm, and Tim Allen. I'm disqualifying that. All right, well, if we're disqualifying
2: it, my three in no particular order Forrest Gump, obviously. Saving Private Ryan's going to be up there. And then I'm a huge fan. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, that thing you do. Oh, yeah. He starred in <laughs> it and he directed it, and it's awesome music. So that's my top. Three. That we're getting a lot of. Boom. <laughs> get we're getting wins. a lot of Castaway. Yeah. Castaway's good. I Castaway I thought, was you know what, an I unbelievable performance. I did. I didn't love the movie, though. Wilson was better. Yeah, than Wilson me. was a better actor. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you're wondering, my beard looked like Tom Hanks and Castaway before I shaved it. That's a good point. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Do you guys think baseball would ha- would be having this battle if players and owners didn't have a new CBA on the horizon after the 2021 season?
3: Yeah, I think so. And I think that, unfortunately, baseball's being served a bit of a poo-poo sandwich here because they're the ones that have a regular season to play. NBA and hockey can go right to a playoff mode. NFL still has runway before they have to worry about it. So, you know, unfortunately, baseball is getting the short end of the stick right now. And uh, I don't think, I I think the CBA is going to play into it. There's a certain strategy. But I think the biggest obstacle is the fact that they have to go through a regular season yet. I think
2: it's a lot of different factors. I think the biggest factor to me is the trust issue. Like Baseball players and the owners just don't trust each other right now. And it's more from the player side than the ownership side, frankly. But the players don't think that the owners have their best interest in mind. And this has been growing over five, six, seven years based on what's going on in the offseason. And then the crunches that you're starting to get in the regular season as well. I, I don't think that the players trust the owners. So I think that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. But if there wasn't a CBA on the horizon, I think the negotiation would be different. I do think there would be less animosity towards one another, if that was ultimately the case. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Hey, Jamie and BK, did you guys watch the SpaceX launch over the weekend? And if so, what'd you think?
3: Um... I didn't watch the actual launch. I got to the party a little late. Uh, we were talking. So, you missed the only part that really you had to see. Yep. I, I, <laughs> I missed the, uh, the only part that was really worth watching, but I did catch a lot of the stuff afterwards, and they were, you know, had video inside of it and everything. But, yeah, I mean, it's always pretty cool when you have the capabilities of launching a space shuttle or a rocket into outer space. And it's just always been fascinating. Even as a young kid now, still, I find it still so fascinating that there's this whole other, you know, atmosphere and whatnot. And I don't know much about it, but I, it always interests me.
2: Yeah, I didn't nerd out with it or anything in terms of watching it live from beginning to end. And I don't say that in a negative context. I just, I'm not as into spaces as some other people are. I did watch the video of it. Uh, taking off because we were golfing at the time so I saw it when we got back but I did watch it live when they docked which I thought was really cool it's a slow process obviously because it takes a little bit of time but it was cool to see them dock and kind of get uh, accustomed to where they were at so that
3: was pretty cool Do you think they have parking assistance on those things like Like backup beepers? Yeah like you put it in reverse and it kind of parks itself If they don't I'd crash it. I don't know I mean it seems like that would be kind of a real mistake if we have it in like your regular car (laughs) for parallel parking yet our space shuttle doesn't have it. I will watched it i was far more interested than i
2: anticipated i was fascinated by the whole thing i was watching on i believe it was cnn at first whenever they and this is no oh, commentary on what was going on I, I know i know
4: yeah, i started out watching whatever channel you watch
2: you got three seconds BK. you want me to dump people are profiling you as you speak so i was watching on a news network and i i was fascinated by this woman who was at the scene. She was their reporter live from the scene, and she was like near tears from the idea of them being able to take off, and I was like, wow, I I understand this is a huge deal, obviously. I don't think for me, it quite gave me that same emotional feel that it did for her. It was it was incredible to watch, though. I gotta say, I, I can't put my arms around the idea of how crazy it would be to be able to actually go into space. Now, I would never do it. I'm too much of a sissy for that. But going into space seems, like, so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. It seems impossible. And yet, we literally privatized it, and there was the ability for somebody privately to build a spaceship that sent people into outer space. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible.
3: From the text line here, 314, SpaceX docks into the space station automatically. So, yes, they do have the um, auto park feature on the space Shuttle. Thank Sorry. you.
2: Text line. Also from the 314. Now it all makes sense. BK, the CNN guy. <laughs> yeah. Final question 65780 is the air comfort service. Text line from the 314. Hey guys, did you see the story over the weekend that the NFL is not going to allow Dave Portnoy to yeah. watch Monday Night Football with Roger Goodell despite the fact that Portnoy won the $250,000 auction to be able to do so? Did you see
3: the reason why? Yeah, because, because he didn't pass his drug test or whatever? No, I did. Background. Yeah. Check the background. Check, and check, and yeah. he does have some. Some, like, loose things that he's done in the past, obviously faking credentials to get into an NFL event. Then, you know, orchestrating a sit-down in the lobby of the NFL headquarters, uh, got him arrested. Um, But I knew this was going to happen. I came in the day after that. I'm like, did you see what happened last night? Portnoy, he won it. He won the auction. You knew Roger Goodell wasn't going to sit in his basement with Dave Portnoy. Now. I'm actually surprised that they did this. Uh, I shouldn't I'm not be. At all. I shouldn't Are you kidding be. me?
2: I, I fully, readily admit I shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised. Why
3: wouldn't he have just taken it on and just said, "Hey, you right. know what? Come on in, Dave Portnoy. Come on into just my basement. It. And you, you want to grill me about Tom Brady? You want to grill me about Deflategate? That's fine, but." We're going to have an agreement. You get a couple of questions about each one, and then we're going to move on to other things. Right. We're going to move on to NFL. We're going to move on to what we're watching. You can ask
2: me my favorite movies, all yeah. these yeah. sorts of things, like personalize me. And, and
3: I- the moment it gets off the rails where you're just interrogating the heck out of me, it's over. We're done. And then you'll look like the fool.
2: Yeah. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Braden Shin. We were told that he's a music guy, so much so that he's the DJ in the locker room for the St. Louis Blues. What's he been up to during the quarantine, and what was the last concert he went to prior to the quarantine? We'll get all of that with Braden Shin, the Blues forward, as he joins us next on 101
1: ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: Former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivers and BK on 101 ESPN. Hoping to be joined by Braden Shin momentarily. Trying to connect with him. Of course, everybody a little busy right now. So hoping to reconnect with him shortly. In the meantime, Jamie, I wanted to talk about something that we weren't able to get to earlier. And listen, when we were first talking about sports coming back, we talked about how important testing is going to be in all of this. It was the number one buzzword of the day, right? When we first talked about the UFC returning, and it was one of the first really major sports to return, the question was, how's it going to look if they're getting all this testing and there's people outside that need it? Well, hockey is now kind of running into that same question of, okay, how often do we test? How much is this going to cost? Greg Wyshynski talked about that over the weekend, about what the NHL is going to do with its testing.
0: Part of that equation is going to be regular testing, uh, temperature checks, actual COVID tests on a daily basis, uh, and I would I would imagine that's going to extend beyond the players to staff members and everybody else that's going to be in these arena settings because they're trying to keep it as safe as possible. The first, um, the first kind of trial of this will be when the NHL's training facilities open up within the next two weeks. Uh, it's not going to be a daily frequency of testing, but it's going to be consistent testing. At the very least, it's going to be those temperature checks by the players at home and then before they enter the training facilities, on a limited basis.
2: So Gary Bettman has now stated that each test costs approximately $125 and they say that they're going to need 25 to 35 thousand tests to be able to get through the playoffs. So $125 a piece as much as 35 thousand tests are going to be needed. It's going to be millions of dollars for them to be able to get this done and this is part of the question of is it worth it and the answer for the NHL is yes. The answer for most of these major sports is going to be yes. I'm going to be really interested Jamie to see what the fan reaction is or what the casual person's reaction is to these leagues using 35,000 tests to be able to put on it their
3: sport. It's a tough look. It is. You know, um, look the It's no secret right now. Some of the big corporations uh, are testing employees right now. We know, obviously, that government officials are being tested on a regular basis, which I understand that. I mean, we need healthy people to run the show here in the United States of America. UFC, Dana White the other day showed, hey, this is my fifth test right now. Uh, I didn't hear too much backlash from that. You know, I really have yeah. Now, this is a greater number, of course. We're talking about a lot of tests, but I don't know. I think everybody just, assume, like, they know it. Like, you just know, like, okay, if we're going to get baseball, basketball, hockey, you're going to have to test these guys. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I'm maybe not happy about it because my health care provider or whatever can't give me a test because there's not enough here. I don't even know how it works right now. Thank goodness I haven't had to require a test. Um, but I think people are just looking past it for the most part.
2: I don't think there'll be too much noise. I think it's going to be a one- or two-day story. I think it's gonna that's going to be the case for whichever sport comes back first. So if baseball is able to get its bleep together, and they're able to be the first one to get back on the field, and we see it's going to be, whatever, a thousand tests a week. I don't know how many it ultimately is going to be, but however many tests a week, that's going to be a story immediately. And then we'll get kind of numb to it and we'll just, that'll be a part of life. Just like UFC, when they had the first uh, fight, I believe it was like 249 was the first one that Mm -hmm. was significant that they put on. It was a story for a few hours of, hey, they're testing all of these guys. Why are they testing them when some people around town can't get their tests? And then it was gone because they put on the event we were entertained by the event it was fun we needed it we felt the need for something sporting wise that was bigger than just cornhole that we're watching every saturday now and so we enjoyed it and we said this is the price of us being able to have this as a part of our life now so i think it's going to be the same thing for hockey or baseball or football hopefully it's not football or basketball whichever one comes back first they're going to have that 24-hour news cycle
3: text line here, 65780. We have one from 314 says, I'm okay with the testing as long as they're paying for it. You know, I don't blame them. I mean, uh, you got to think about that, right? I mean... If they're paying for it, that's revenue coming back in some form for the state or I, I don't even know where that would go. Uh, somebody could educate me on that. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I'm not OK with freebies going out there just sure. sort of for athletes of any kind to just go about their business. No, I mean, you got to pay for the tests. And, and yeah, it's going to take a chunk of change from the NHL to make sure that happens. Now, the question I have is, will it be the NHL or the NHLPA paying for these tests? Or will would be a shared cost? I don't know.
2: I would imagine this is something that's probably going to have to be shared. I don't know that to be true. Obviously, we don't know how this is ultimately going to work out, but I would imagine that this is going to be a cost that is on both the players and the owners. Uh, Also from the text line, 65780 is their comfort service text line. From the 314, the only people that are going to worry about these tests and how many of the sports franchises are using is the media. The media is going to make a big deal of it just so they can have something to talk about. I can tell you for me personally, I'm not worried about it. If If this is what it takes for them to get hockey back i understand if this is what it takes for them to get baseball back and to have it uh safe i get that too they've got to do whatever they've got to do to get these sports back and one of the guys that we're looking forward to watching whenever they do return is Braden shin he is the blues forward you can follow him on twitter at b underscore 10 and he joins us on the brown and crouppen celebrity line Braden, we're happy to have you on the show today with jamie rivers i'm brandon Kylie. how you doing man I'm doing good. I'm
5: doing good. How are you guys doing?
3: We're good, man. Uh, what are you doing to stay busy these days?
5: Golfing. <laughs> uh, golfing a lot. Uh, getting in the odd work. Playing some tennis with some guys here. Um, I don't know. Got, a, I guess, a Peloton at home and some, some weights and stuff like that. And I don't know. Lots of golfing, though, that's for sure.
3: Now, how hard has it been to stay busy? into the grind right because look this is an extended period of time this is almost like when the lockouts are there where you're working out you don't know where the finish line is how hard has it been to motivate yourself to stay in the gym to stay ready to stay on top of whatever you can
5: yeah i mean i think early on uh maybe in that first month you kind of knew it was going to take some time so you take some time to yourself and kind of mentally unwind or whatever and and um you know maybe not stay as much in shape but weather when talks pick up there and, and things start to kind of get a little bit more serious i think i mean i don't think we're right now i think me or the guys around st louis it's it's tough you're not training the way you'd normally train for a season uh one may haven't even been to the rink or been on the ice or even touched a stick for that matter so you kind of do stuff around your house so it's not the same but at, at, at the end of the day um you got to make uh the best of of what you have and and kind of that's how you have to approach it what are you
2: guys doing to be able to stay in touch with i mean the coaching staff your teammates are you guys setting up zoom calls what what has that been like for you all
5: no nothing (laughs) Uh, some some group chats but absolutely no nothing at all so yeah, we'll we'll take care of business uh, if that time comes and and uh, we'll have a lot of time. I'm sure I'm not sure even if if there if there is a training camp, if we're playing all that, that stuff, uh, you know it's going to be a three week whatever training camp, and there's there's enough time to to figure out uh, what we have to do.
2: So you guys haven't done any sort of hockey related meetings at this point. like you're not talking with Craig Barubi about what's going on, anything like that. You're just waiting until you get back to training camp.
5: Yeah, no not a not a thing uh, Guys fire some funny stuff in the group chat every now and then but there, there hasn't been we're, we're a team that I think we, we know once we're probably we have a bunch of group of, of older guys and, and guys I think older and younger um, you know when you get the feeling in the locker room of if you have a chance to do it again um, you know guys your guys are going to keep themselves in shape and, and stay ready but I still think uh, you know there's a lot of work to be done before uh, you know if we're if the season resumes.
3: Yeah, Shanner, you, we talked about it earlier, and you just kind of touched on it. And before we get into you know moving forward too much and, and worrying about that, you guys are a team that had very little turnover in the offseason, and you've been a group this whole season that's you're a tight-knit group. There's no secret there. That's got to help you guys a little bit, obviously. Coming back in, in this unique situation, if we get back to hockey and if that time comes, you guys have to have a little bit of an advantage of being such a tight-knit group who knows the systems, knows the coaching staff knows what's going on and you guys are defending stanley cup champs
5: yeah i mean yeah we uh i think it obviously starts from uh obviously the top down um you know coaching staff, kept in touch a little bit nothing hockey uh related but i think just as a group uh you know we rely on uh our leadership's uh been good uh the guys that have been working with the nhlpa Sure. It's been good with relaying the messages to everyone. So, uh, there's constant communication on our team uh, as far as, uh, you know, keeping guys informed and, and in the know. And I think that's important moving forward because if we are going to play, you want to have guys that um, know exactly what's going on and you don't want to be behind the eight ball as far as training or, or staying kind of mentally engaged. So, um, you know, I think for, for a time there, there's those guys and obviously majority of the league take the foot off the gas and, and enjoy and, and relax because this is could be uh kind of one of two summers we kind of have uh obviously it's kind of like going to be the longer one but yeah uh it's uh, interesting times right now that's for sure blues forward Braden shin joining us now here on
2: ribs and dk on 101 espn i'd be curious what are the questions that you're asking right now like what are you most interested in whenever you're talking to the people that are in the know of what the season could look like what you're concerned about what are some of those questions that you find yourself asking
5: um i mean uh, the the one thing i didn't really care about was kind of what came out there was just the playoff format whether it was going to be 16 20 or 24 um in our situation we were we were in so i didn't really care about i think that the you know the main things you want to worry about um you know for me i think guys are on the league guys are on our team which you know the big thing is is obviously you know you got to worry about what's going to happen with families uh, if we play are we going to play in hub cities um, You know, are we allowed to leave the hotel or are we just going to be locked in there um, you know there's there's other things that you have to think about too obviously basketball possibly uh, coming back they play you know on a court where they can have many many games a day at, at all different times I think uh, hockey's a little bit different in an aspect you have not to worry about ice conditions and, and you're playing in cities where it's you know 100 degrees in the summertime and, and uh, I think the main thing is throughout all of it you want to have safety and health of of family and and i guess uh you know yourself and your teammates moving forward just because uh you know it's one thing to, to play hockey but you know obviously the the pandemic that hits obviously concerning around the world and and you want to do your part uh try and you know slow it down or not make it spread or but at the same time we all realize that Sports is is valuable in in everyone's day to day lives, and people come together, uh, whether it's watching sports or being at a sporting event. So, if we're in that position to to help people mentally kind of let loose or relax or whatever it may be, um, you know, it's fun being part of that.
3: Right, Shenner talking about letting loose here and shifting gears just a little bit. We were informed a little while ago that you're a uh, DJ Shenner in the in the locker room and you handle the stereo. What's your go-to man because like I used to have this job when I was playing with the blues and it's a tough crowd sometimes you take a beating from the rock guys the country guys, the techno guys, the EDM you got a lot of people to keep happy so what's your strategy what's your go-to?
5: It's a thankless job, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, you know, You know, like, you're, you're never going to keep everyone uh, everyone happy, but kind of the way we work it, I just put my phone in there. Uh, I hook it up to uh, um, the Bluetooth or whatever, and uh, Vince Dunn gets on there, plays his stuff a little bit. I do. Uh, Bertuzza will kind of uh, chime in. And like I said, if anyone's or Steiner will, if, guys, anyone's looking to uh, listen to a song or listen to a, a type of music, uh kind of go up there and just kind of put it in so i guess it's my phone that's on there in charge but uh we, we play everything rock crap uh you know in the, in the morning stuff like that like the lumineers we, we kind of keep it uh uh, exploring all avenues and trying to keep as many guys happy as possible.
3: All right. So there's always that one guy, right? Like I remember, you know, back in my day, it was like the CDs, right? You got to put it in and whatnot. Yeah, you guys, here, yeah. there's always that one guy. You're like, absolutely not. Does he get to play any music? Because his music is terrible and everybody hates it. Who's that one guy? There's got to be one guy.
5: Oh, that one guy. Actually, it's not my opinion because I, I don't mind the type of music, but, uh, Jane schwartz i think uh, he likes a lot of those twangy country songs which i actually don't mind but uh i don't think there's a lot of country fans on our team so uh, i don't like his eye or his, uh, his ipod that's not even a thing anymore his iphone won't even uh, his iphone won't be going into the you know hooking up to the bluetooth uh but i would actually enjoy listening to his music i don't have a problem with it guys make fun of it and have some fun with them but that's just kind of the, the saski uh, uh farmer and i'm we're talking with Braden Shen Blue's
2: forward here on Ribs and BK on one oh one ESPN. Now Shannon, are you are you a concert guy? Like I, you, you're clearly the music guy on the team, but are you somebody that goes to a lot of concerts as well?
5: Uh I mean not crazy. Our concert guy on the team by far is Ryan O'Reilly. He's on he's if you want to talk music, he's he's the guy. He's your guy. He knows a lot about uh, uh, you know the rock music or lots of bands stuff like that. I've been to uh, you know a few concerts, or uh, it's not like I'm going into a road city and looking for concerts. But if there's one that comes to town, that's good. I'll I'll try and hit it. What's the best one you've ever been to? Um, jeez, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, country wise, Garth Brooks. He's he's always like oh, yeah. a good show. I, I enjoy him. We uh, went to Post Malone uh, okay. this year; which was was pretty cool. I'm trying to think uh, what else. So
2: you're what literally all home? over the map,
5: right? Like that's. <laughs> oh that's... yeah, like I yeah I I'm pretty carefree. I'll listen to techno rap. Uh, I actually didn't even like the the new school rap, but uh, mm-hmm. all the young guys in our in our room, whether it's Dunner or Thomas or Blake or whoever, they all they all listen to that type of stuff. You just have to. Get a liking to
3: it. Go with it. Yeah, you see, I've got a problem with the new school rap. I got the (laughs) 16-year-old boys, and I'm just like, I look at them, I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. Like, they're just mumbling, and there's music, and some of the beats are good, but I don't get it. And I'm like you. I'm, like, open to everything. But when this comes on, I've got a yellow card, red card rule in my truck, and if they put on a song I don't like, they get the yellow card. They get two of them I don't like, the red card, <laughs> unhook the Bluetooth. That's it for them.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, it's the way it is, uh, it's funny. There's, there's all types of... Uh, Lots of guys like the old school rock, whether it's seventies or eighties, nineties, and then there's the new school rap, and you got Schwartzy and and Bozy and guys like like the country. So Jake Allen likes the country. So like I said, you're you're going to get all different types of music in there, and you just got to be happy whatever's on.
3: All right, Shannon. We all know the story of Gloria. Last year, awesome song, awesome story. We retired the song as it should have been. Now, and little birdie kind of told us, little birdie named Vince Dunn. Uh, that Party All the Time is now the new victory song. And I, for one, love it. I remember when it came out, and that was like, you know, the jam back in the day. But you got to give me a little context here. How did that become the song for this season?
5: You're asking the wrong guy. I don't
3: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we got you on here.
5: I, did, <laughs> I didn't pick it, so I don't even know who did. Maybe she did it. I don't even know. Do so you like I it? I guess am not even yeah, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't, like Like I said before, I don't really care. Whatever's on, like, you just got to go with it. And I think last year, the expectation of glory and how it became a thing and where it was established, and then we started winning, like, you're not going to really get that again. No. Like, you're not going to get that type of thing. So, no matter what you're looking for, I don't think you're going to, you know, get that type of feeling or, or um, you know what that song really meant but yeah that was that was picked by i don't even know who picked it but you just gotta roll with it well, i think it was a solid pick yeah yeah you can't go wrong
2: shitter the last question that i've got for you real quick you said at the beginning of this you've been playing a lot of golf over the last i think it was two weeks ago now we saw the foursome with tiger woods phil mickelson tom brady and peyton manning if you could put together your ideal foursome that you could play with you could go out to whatever course you want and you could play with whoever you want who would be included in that for you
5: um that's a good question I, I mean tiger woods i think would be uh up there uh yeah i don't know michael michael jordan i think we'll have to walk it through, watch watching documentary and how much he he loves golf i know there's some some nhl guys that actually play golf for Them there's some retired guys that down in florida play golf for them all the time now and uh, old team at, teammates of, uh, you know, Tyler Bolzak that, uh, play with them. So I don't know, Tiger, uh, Michael Jordan, and I'm trying to think who else. I don't know. I'm still available, Shinner. Yeah, you, yeah you're available. We'll today, yeah, you. So there's our fourth <laughs> <Sunday>. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, 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 sh, I'm sure it'll never happen, so don't we'll have to
0: worry about it.
3: <laughs> Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Yeah. That's Braden Shin, Blues Forward
2: on Twitter, at bshin underscore 10. Shinner, we always appreciate the time, man. We look forward to watching you back. You said a few times if the hockey season returns. We're going with when the hockey season returns here on this yeah, show, so I we're know. looking forward to it.
5: Yeah, no, it's uh, – You know, I think, like I said, it was slow at the beginning. Obviously, they put the format out there. I think there's a lot of health and safety issues that have to be uh, passed before we play. But, uh, you know, you only get so many cracks down the cup and and being on good teams. So, uh, if it comes uh, all together here, um, you know, I think us as a team are are looking forward to uh, having a chance to repeat. Well, we're certainly looking forward to watching it. And if not, we get the cup for another summer and we'll take it. (laughs) That's
2: what I like to hear. Braden Shin here on Ribs and BK. Shinner, we always appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Uh, Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Absolutely. That's Braden Shin joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Man, I'm ready for hockey. He's a beauty, I, isn't he? I so I badly Schinner. want to watch this team again. We were talking about this during the break. I mentioned to you guys before we had him on. Braden Shin's my favorite player on the team. Like the, the cool thing about the Blues is, you can ask any Blues fan who your favorite player are is, and there's like ten different legitimate answers that you could give. Like I, I understand if you say Alex Petrangelo is my favorite player, I totally get that. If you go Ryan O'Reilly or Vladimir Tarasenko or Bennington, like there's so many different correct answers to that question. Mm-hmm. For me, it's Braden Shannon. I think that's something that I really love about this team is how many dudes on the, on this squad are just easy to root for.
3: You know what's interesting about this roster is over the course of Blues history, the blue-collar guys have always been the favorites, right? You go back, you look at the Bobby Plagers, the Barkley Plagers, and then you move into the 80s. you got the Brian Sutter-type player, Bob Basson. Look at the team right now. Every guy... Even Vladimir Tarasenko, who is super skilled, right? Every guy has a blue-collar feel to him. So St. Louis being such a city that loves their blue-collar guys, guess what? You could pick any player, and it's not a wrong answer. And that's unique about this team, and that's ultimately, in my opinion... What made them champions is that they're all able to put on the work hat, the work boots, and go to work for each other.
2: And they're super competitive. Like they, oh. they've they've got the best of both worlds, right? You've on one side you've got the fact that they're blue collar guys, and on the other side you've got these dudes that just want to kill you. Yeah, like they, they they've got all of that, and they're clutch. They it, they've got it all. I, I really do miss watching hockey, obviously, but I miss watching this team, and I think that's what sucks the most, is we were robbed of the fact that they were really starting to come into form there at the end, and it seems like they were getting ready to go on a run, so hopefully they can pick up right where they left off. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. A huge thanks for uh, Braden Shin joining us today. It's 1227. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, baseball not exactly on the same page right now. We'll ask Ask Mari Brown what needs to happen for Major League Baseball and the players to come to an agreement. He joins us next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK
2: podcast
1: on 101 ESPN.
2: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and DK on 101 ESPN. Some of the conversations we have out there, man. <laughs> Some of the conversations. Let's go into the Brown and Crippen celebrity line. Well, we are happy to be joined by Murray Brown. He's a baseball writer for Forbes. You can follow him on Twitter at BizBallMory, M A U R Y. Murray, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you guys today?
3: We're good, Maury. I got a quick question for you, though. Um, Alex, our, our board op guy, said that when he called you, he got this like recording saying that, you know, I don't accept solicitors. If you're a solicitor, hang up. If you're not, press 1. Okay, I got to tell you, I'm impressed. How the heck did you get this feature?
6: Uh, well, it's this amazing thing called money and the phone company. And so, <laughs> so That will tell you how life is at my place, right? I, everybody wants a piece of you, right?
3: Oh, my God. I was impressed. I'm like, I'm going to have to dive into this now because I deal with that all day long. It's like potential spam. I'm like, I need to get rid of this. i got to weed them out of my life.
6: Yeah, it doesn't work, though, man. I'm <laughs> telling you right now. I wish it did, but I still get them.
2: All right, more. let's talk a little bit about baseball because they're in a bad place right now and they need to come to an agreement. Uh, what What have you made of what is basically this first round of negotiation between the players and the league with now seeing both the owners and the players proposals that they've sent out?
6: Well, I I have to tell you guys, initially I thought that this really stepped up on the wrong foot. I mean, when you start leaking this idea of a salary cap right out of the gate, um, that that was never going to go well. Well, the owners never submitted a salary cap idea to the players. Instead, they look at this sliding scale where they would have them basically absorb some of the losses that are going to go on in this thing. And of course, the players are going to have none of that. They, they really don't want to. They believe that they can do, a, uh, do it with a prorated system. May counter with a longer season, which will give them, you know, basically more money with prorated. They said, look, we'll defer some money if the postseason is canceled or shortened. But look, guys, they're so far apart on this thing right now. Both offers, I think, in and of themselves, were both crazy. I don't think that either side could honestly believe that that one or the other was going to accept this. But they've got to come to an agreement soon. And the owner meetings are slated for Wednesday and Thursday. You know, they, they could maybe move into next week, but they really can't go much past those guys. I mean, they're going to have to figure this thing out this week pretty much.
3: All right, so, Mari, you touched on something that I was asking Brandon earlier in our show. Their, their first offers, the owner's offer, obviously the players thought was ridiculous. Now the players counter with an offer that, you know, the owners I'm sure will find slightly ridiculous. Do you find that, like, they need to come together here soon? They're so far apart. That's like six weeks ago, Tactics. Do they, Do you think either side realizes just how far apart they are and that they've got such a massive amount of distance to close up?
6: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see how they don't know that they're far apart on this thing. Um, it's amazing how fast things can come together, though. And, and look, I, you, what you're doing is you try to basically make your case that Um, First of all, the the players wanted to see all the books opened up. I don't think that the league was willing to go completely and open everything up. Um, I think that the thing that they have to try and realize in some way, shape, or form is neither side is going to get exactly what they want. And to some extent, how can they do that? And in my mind, um, this would largely be the way that the players can say, look, we'll take our prorated pay. But you can go ahead and defer that out over maybe one or two seasons, uh, maybe with a little bit of interest so that you spread this thing out. But guys, I'll get back to this. You know, baseball is a $10.7 billion industry, right? You know, in times of plenty, when I talked to executives in the league and, and those around the league at the club level just, you know, several months ago, they said, you know, if the players came forward right now with a cap system where they said, we want to take a percentage – of baseball related revenue similar to the systems that you see in the NBA and the NHL that the owners would largely say no because the money had flipped in their favor well i find that ironic now that when we find these headwinds they're they're going to go for it's all capitalism when things are great we're going to go with socialism from the players when it goes bad so it's an interesting turn of events nobody saw it coming but at the same time i mean there's a lot of money flowing into the league the players are not in the midst of or wanting to move off this just yet
2: we're talking with Maury Brown. He's a baseball writer for Forbes. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Maury M-A-U-R-Y. I do want to ask you about the owners because we're now seeing more and more often these leaks that say something to the effect of, you know, there's some owners in baseball that aren't even sure they want to play a season this year. Are you buying that? And how much should we take that into consideration when we're talking about some of these negotiations?
6: Well, I think you should take it serious. I, I think the A's are probably leading that charge. Um, the question would be whether there are eight of them or enough to scuttle any approval of a season at this point. And that's why the, the, the players' offer of 114 games or however many, 124 games, however many it is right now, is going in the opposite direction of what some of these clubs want. You know, if they could get sixty games in, I think that they would do it. Um, it you know, they're largely all focusing on the postseason and the additional monies that they'll get there with the expanded um, postseason play that they're going to bring. They're going to ex- increase that to fourteen teams. So, you know, it, I think that they're just at this position where there absolutely are some of them that are doing that, and that is the problem that you have on both sides of this equation, both with the players and the owners. There are some that want to make it happen, and they are in better financial position to go ahead and do this, knowing the optics of how it would look if this whole season goes bad. And there are probably other considerations. I mean, if you're the Red Sox and you own Nesson, well, some of that money is funneling back to you. The players are in the same boat. There are some players that will go, you know what? I got enough money, and I don't want to take the health risk. You know, we're probably just better off looking at 2021 and figuring out our next labor deal. And there are some players that go, I got a mortgage payment just like everybody else. I need that money. So you're, you're trying to figure out where you sit in terms of, your coalition on either side and how that's going to play out and i don't know if we've really found out where that is yet players look pretty solid right now but over time that could shift
2: if the owners want to play fewer games doesn't it behoove them then to continue down this path of furthering the negotiations that way then it's just time suggests that they have to play fewer games
6: yeah, I think that that's where it would, might go. You know, I think that what they want is to try and figure out some way to get some relief on this thing, right? I mean, I'm not going to deny that the owners are absolutely going to lose some revenues this, this year. You know, they're going to make it up a lot faster than the players, and that's something that I don't think is part of that equation that's being discussed. Owners are around a lot longer than players. You know, if you're a veteran player right now and you're on the edge, you're like, man, this could be maybe my last paycheck for a while. And it is a situation where the owners have a longer lifespan than the players do. So, look, they, they have to try and see if they can figure this out. The NBA is about ready to get going. You know, we're seeing motorsports already fired up. You know, if you have one of one of the major sports leagues not happen and the rest of them do, it's just a horrible black eye. They, they've got to get this figured out.
3: Yeah, that's where I was headed with this. As you talk about the other sports that UFC is going, NASCAR's going, we've seen a golf event like we're progressing into that direction with the NBA, the NHL. And I want to circle back with the KBO. You know, everybody, you know, we've kind of been tuning in and just watching just to see how it works and whatnot. But with the KBO actually up and running and playing and all these other sports that are finding a way, how awful does it look if baseball, the players and the owners, can't seem to come together here and really that it comes down to dollars and cents at the end of it? What kind of ramifications will that have with the fan base?
6: Well, I think that it maybe in some ways is being overstated, guys. I mean, it's going to absolutely be a black eye. I can't I can't deny that there will be some that will say, look, the grocery store workers and frontline workers, you know, and God bless them, right? I mean, it's just I think a it- different situation but to be really honest with you this is a lot different than losing a world series or something where it was you know you didn't have the backdrop of the pandemic remember that's why all of this is happening and there is a, a legitimate health and safety concern so the players are saying we're the ones that are going out there and putting our you know health on the line you know players you know owners are sitting in their you know bunkers and and are all safe mm-hmm. it's a just i think a different situation absolutely they're going to be fans that say millionaires and billionaires bickering right now is a bad look and i am not going to discount that but i have to think about this in terms of the pandemic
2: what do you think ultimately comes here we're talking with maury brown he's a baseball writer for forbes he's on twitter at bizball how do you think this gets resolved maury
6: Boy, I don't know, guys. I mean, I would like to see a situation where they, you know, the players are willing to defer compensation. Um, whether it needs to be with interest or no interest or whatever, you allow some way to basically spread this out. And I said a couple seasons, and the reason for the couple of seasons would be this. In twenty, At the end of the 2021 season, you know, the new national broadcast deals kick in, and there's going to be a significant increase in revenues for the owners at that point. So that is an ability to allow that to happen, to push it out a little bit, to basically spread it out. And then there's some new money coming in to the league at that point. So. Look, I hope that they figure this out if they get 82 games in or they get 70 games in or whatever it's going to be. You know, I would hope that they would do this, but right now, I mean, they're going to have to really dig in to make this sort of thing happen. Like we said, it's this week or early next week at the latest or or you're really behind the eight ball. I mean, they might be able to start maybe a little bit later, but you know, it just It would just look bad.
2: He's Maury Brown. You can find his work. Forbes.com is where you find it. And give him a follow on Twitter as well, at BizBallMaury, M-A-U-R-Y. Maury, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. All right, guys. You take care. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. That is Maury Brown joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. I think the most interesting thing to come out of all of that is, based on what he said, if the owners truly do want to play fewer games this year, then this all makes sense, the timing of what's taking place mm-hmm. right now. Maybe they're just basically dragging their feet Slow and holding on to the rope and saying, if we can get this thing instead of we can put it, push it out there, right? We need this to get done. We need this to get done. But then everybody says, oh, there's no real deadlines. Well, if they just push this thing forward, eventually you're going to get to the place where, yeah, you can only play 60 or 70 games. And if that's what they wanted from the beginning, they don't even have to negotiate it. They can just put that off to the side and pretend like it's not even something that needs to be negotiated, and then the timing does the negotiating for them.
3: That'll really damage relationships even further with the players because guess what? They're thinking the same thing as far as let's not let them drag the anchor behind them here. Let's make sure that we can get these 140, 14 games or 100 games, whatever their real target number is. And so if the owners are dragging their feet that much and it becomes real obvious, now guess what? That trust issue we had before, it's magnified.
2: You also mentioned that if they've got eight owners that ultimately don't want to play this season, that could be enough to stop the progress between the players and the owners. Hmm. I Every time that I see one of these stories about how owners, with, it, with plural, owners might not want to play this season... I wonder who they are. He mentioned the A's as potentially being one. A that lot makes sense. a lot of the low-budget
3: teams, right? They're the I would ones think that are going to cost them more money than they're going to make. then you hear stories
2: about how it's not even necessarily the low-budget teams. It's the smaller markets with the higher payrolls, right? Mm-hmm. St. Louis, I would be stunned if they were in that category. They they want to play baseball oh, this year. Hope not. But there are some similar to St. Louis where it's a smaller market. They get a lot of their revenue from the gate, and then they have the higher payroll as a result because of that gate revenue that they're making. This season, they're not going to have that gate revenue. So they're going to be these teams that are hit the hardest by the fact that you're not having fans in the stands this year. I don't know who those other teams are that would be in that position, but I would imagine that some of those owners are the ones that they're talking about, that they're referencing in these kinds of stories. Wow.
3: We talked about earlier, with offers like this going back and forth, and they're kind of, not kind of, they're far apart like this, it gives those owners more fuel to grab other owners and say, this isn't worth it. This is just not worth our time and certainly not worth our money. And if we get to eight, like Maury suggests, yep. we got a problem. Houston, we have a problem.
2: <laughs> they didn't say that over the weekend, thank goodness. No. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. The Junk Drawer is next.
1: You're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN <laughs> Oh, I
2: don't know what just happened uh, A lot. are doing questions and answers in the junk drawer? You're doing Anybody junk. Anybody know? I'm doing open. junk in the questions and answers drawer. It was an impressive recovery, though. The recovery was quick. It was great. Ferrario acted as if nothing had happened. Now, our audience has no idea what's going on no. right now. Some of them are like, wait, am I supposed to send my questions in? I thought that was at 1145. Now it's at 1245. Well, but, guys, sometimes the beard holds wisdom. Mm, the beard and, and Ferrario wouldn't have made the, that no, mistake. No, beard and Ferrario would have been good on
3: that, but the beard took the wisdom away and starting from scratch. It's all right, buddy. There's a lot of buttons back there. I don't even stand back there for fear that I'll just cost the station a lot of money. So you're better for it than I am.
2: Well, we are doing the junk drawer. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's the segment that we had scheduled here. Let's open things up. I'm going to get things started today. How's that sound, Jamie? Let's do this. I'm going to get things started by asking you a simple question. Did you know that you can have a reputation so tarnished that you actually cannot be further injured in your reputation, and therefore, you can't get any sort of liability if you try to sue somebody. So let me explain oh this my God. for you. That I need was a dry a erase board here. Yeah, I have circus. no idea what you just said you to me. Do I need that? a lawyer?
3: That's all I need to know. So <laughs>
2: Lenny, uh, Lenny Dykstra was trying oh, to sue okay. Ron Darling. That's all you needed to start with. Now... His reputation is so bad, so bad. Lenny Dykstra, I'm talking about. Ron what? Darling doesn't have the bad reputation. Well, I knew who you're talking. That <laughs> New York Supreme Court Judge Rob Kalish ruled that his reputation for unsportsmanlike conduct and bigotry is already so tarnished it cannot be further injured, adding that based on the paper submitted on this motion prior to the publication of the book, Dykstra was infamous for being, among other things, racist, misogynistic, (laughs) anti-gay, as well as being a sexual predator, a drug abuser, a thief, and an embezzler. Throw in the towel, Lenny. A Hall of Famer. So because of all of those things... He was not able to win his lawsuit. The libel suit was thrown out because his reputation had already been diminished to the point of you actually can't be libeled. There is no libel that can happen against you because everything could potentially be true. It's
3: so crazy too, right? Because look at Lenny Dykstra, uh, the ball player was, you know, I mean, he was a good ball player. And then he went on to, like he was making millions of dollars following. Everybody thought he had the secret sauce well, he didn't and now he's such a bum that he can't even get he can't even get any respect for people calling him out for how awful he really is. Yeah, man, I don't even know like I've never heard of this before. Do you feel We're- bad at all for the guy? Like I listen, I know he's done awful things, said awful things and he's but at some point like a guy's just been kicked in the balls so many times <laughs> which he deserves every yeah. one of them in fact with a steel toe boot for that fact. Like, do you feel bad at all for the guy? I mean, I don't personally, because the guy made his own bed.
1: He's gotta yeah, sleep that's here. why I don't. Uh,
3: imagine being so
2: messed up that they name something after you. Like, Lenny Dykstra's on
3: that path.
2: Gosh. Like, they, the, the Black Sox scandal, because of what the White Sox did, you know, betting on games. Pete Rose is associated with yeah, it. Synonymous with it. But, but everything that you just listed for Lenny Dykstra is Lenny. It, that's the Lenny Dykstra.
3: He's not even known as being a baseball player. No. I know. People always say, is that the same guy? Yeah. yeah it is the same guy. He's the not same even guy that, that was like all over pro locker rooms after his career because he was selling the good life and this whole thing, right? Well, amazing. Pretty crappy. You know what else is crappy? What a transition. You know what <laughs> else is crappy? Let's hear it. Okay. We had this discussion. I'm bringing it out here to the table. Wow. I don't care what you're doing. If you're eating lunch, I apologize. But what is the point of chewing corn. Okay? Like I'm okay. just going to set the stage here a little bit. Oh, uh, we don't we I, You okay. chew the corn, right? And you make sure you don't choke on the corn because that's possible those little kernels when you're eating you could choke so you chew it thoroughly. Thoroughly. And then when the corn makes its exit <gasps> later on or the next morning, it's back to normal. It's whole. It's magic. There's How nothing corn else that does do it. that. There's
2: nothing else that does it. Nothing. There, there is nothing else no. in this world that you can chew and consume it the way that we do. <laughs> and then somehow, by the time it's it's finished, it's course through our body, it looks the exact same as when it came in. Think
3: about some of the foods that are the same shape.
2: Peas? I don't know who eats peas out there still, but same shape. I
3: eat peas. Do you? Same yeah. shape. Doesn't peas reform? Gross, no, it doesn't. I don't sit there yep. when I'm about to... Flush my business because I always uh, you got to look at your business right. Like I don't know if you guys are that way. Absolutely, I'm a little older right now, well, and there's gotta, certain things yeah. you got to look for in your business. <laughs> you got to make sure there's no blood. That's right. Yeah, you wanna, and, and you got to make sure it's got a nice little curl to it. You know, you want to make sure everything's okay. Wait, what? I don't know why. There's something to that. Somebody said it's got to have a little curl. To make sure. I don't know.
2: Anyways, but the I'd point, like to Google that, but I don't want to just filth up my search history. It's a crappy so.
3: idea. Anyways, it's a real now that idea. based yeah. upon, based upon that. When I look down there, I'm like, the corn, it's back. I don't get it. Corn, I ate you. I chewed you up. And you're back in full form.
2: Listeners, I got to apologize because I'm the one that brought that this conversation up during break. But I had no idea that this was going to carry its weight yeah, into we our cider, though. This is a conversation
3: that's needed to be had for a long time. This is a really dirty conversation. It's very dirty. It's filthy. Stinky. Yeah. <laughs> well, just clean yourself up afterwards, but, guys. Corn, whatever it is your magic power is, like... Somebody, some scientist got to figure out how corn does it and put it like into some form where you can inject it in. You go back to like your perfect self all the time. <laughs>
2: how about this? The text, 314, your body digests the inside of the kernels but cannot break down the shell of it. Boom, A and P finally paid off. Yeah, but that
3: doesn't make sense as to why it would then go come back together, right? They, and look like whole and perfect. Like, I, I understand exactly what the text was saying, but the outside of it would still be mangled, right? It doesn't. It goes like right back to pristine condition. Apparently Oprah talked about the curl. Yeah, there we go. My girl, Oprah. Wow. i will call
2: her later. You can't blame this for being yeah, a crappy topic because o- Oprah did it. Oprah's had some some doctors on over oh, the that years. I going to say that- she's had
3: some bowel movements. I'm like, yes, she has, BK. <laughs>
2: I wasn't going I bet that.
3: she's checking for the curl. <laughs> the country's
2: on fire. <laughs> the world is under a pandemic, and Jamie is currently talking about what it looks like whenever he goes <laughs> to the rest- restroom. He is officially my spirit animal. <laughs> this segment stinks. <laughs> (laughs) All Uh, right. So the final thing I wanted to throw out there, everybody can use a little bit of a break from some of their loved ones right now. Right. We're all locked in every day. And some of you, God bless you. You're sitting at home from start to finish by working at home during this pandemic. And so you are stuck with whether it be your significant other or your kids 24-7. There is no getting away from them at any point in time. There is actually one way. (laughs)
3: Goodness gracious. (laughs) Go ahead.
2: For some people, I'm sure it's
3: wonderful. For others,
2: maybe not so much. Brittany Gwynn of Brooklyn is certainly among those that prefer to be able to get away at a certain point. So in New York, they're doing something where you're actually able to rent out certain places, whether it be a room or an apartment or a office building structure, and you can rent it out so you can just get away from your family for a little while. They're going for $40 to $50 per hour, and people are for it to just get a couple hours away from their families
3: (laughs) that sounds crazy to me i kind of get it i mean look at Okay, so here, I said this yesterday at home. I went for a, a power walk slash run. You know, I mix them in because I don't want to die out there. Like a mall walk? No, no. I did have a good hip movement going, though. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I get the hip flexors. You got the side-to-side a going? wiggle, okay. not quite the full salsa dance The look. wrist weights, too? You put no, wrist no, weights no, 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 no. Jesus,
2: no. I'm I feel like that. you got the ankle weights as you walk around. That the, would be amazing. Leg
3: warmers and ankle yeah. weights. That'd be sick. No, no but I, shoes. to my point is I Maybe came back. Jazz or side I'd I'm going to power through this Tight year right now. Yoga pants. Yeah, I see ribs I in yoga pants. I came back pants. from my Pink walk headband. slash run, ankle weights, wrist weights, maybe anything, weight vests. Anyways, and I looked at my wife and I said, you know what? I got to do that every day now. I've, I've got to book 30 minutes at least and get away. I'm like, it's a great reset. And, I, you know, suggested she do the same. It th- doesn't bother me. We need to get out and get away. So I understand the, I guess the topic we're talking about, renting a room for an hour or two hours just to get away yeah. and kind of reset. Um, I wouldn't spend that money to do that, nor would I know if that room is clean properly or who was in there before, what's going on. I don't know if I'm looking to do that right now in this time. But I'm definitely scheduling that walk-slash-run, that little reset every day. Not
2: to go back to our previous conversation, but uh, it's a great question from the 618 guys. In diving, you get a higher score for your
3: splash. Does that count when you're doing your business? Okay, I hate the backsplash on that. Well, yeah, nobody likes it. Yeah, well, yeah that's but- a bad feeling. I just don't like it. Yeah, at that point, you're just hoping it's long enough so it touches the water first, it breaks the plane. Yeah. If it's long enough, you know you're going to get a good splash.
2: 65780 <laughs> from the 636. Racewalking is an Olympic event, boys. I would challenge you to it.
3: No, it's, I'm not race that's not, walking you. You sound like a psycho. I don't
2: think that's true, BK. <laughs> I would love to know the limits. Like, what do you get disqualified for? When does race walking become
3: a jog? I don't know if it's an Olympic event. I have seen race, like, speed walking marathons, and that oh, yeah. is an interesting well, look.
2: What is the difference?
3: Like, how do you go? What is, the, what is the threshold
2: of going from race walking to then jogging? Yeah, I don't know. You know, because like if you're just a really fast walker, yeah. I, I don't know what the difference is between knees that and somebody that's a slow I think jogger. It's knees. Is it? Well, but when you're jogging, your knees to are going to bend. Point, but when you're like race walking or you're like mall walking, you're not bending your knees. You're I don't just know. you're moving your hips and you're moving your maybe legs. Maybe it's how far your heels come off the ground. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know how you would be able to judge that. We need like one of our difficult. texters
3: has got to send us in. Like maybe this one here, six three six, the race walking person. Send us in the rules and regulations of race walking. I mean, hey, I don't, I don't know if I'd like to challenge you to. It, but i might be game
2: seems like an ocho thing yeah With former blues defenseman jamie rivers that's alex ferrario i'm brandon Kylie. it's Rivs and bk on 101 espn listen there's a lot of serious stuff going on in the world we're trying to be a distraction for all of you we hope you guys are making it through the day a little bit easier as a result it is 102 your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers and officially licensed rolex jeweler coming up next lance armstrong still doesn't get it but he might still be able to be an American story. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So we've got some questions um, <laughs> that have arisen over the last... <laughs> 5 minutes or so. We were talking about race walking versus jogging. Where's that threshold? How can you determine, okay, now I'm race walking. Oh, now you've crossed it. You're disqualified because now you're jogging. Yeah, we were struggling in here trying to figure it out. We had somebody call in. What's this guy's name, Alex? Bill is his name. Bill, Bill is on the line and he's going to explain to us quickly. How we can go? How we know the difference between race walking and jogging? Bill, fascinated. first of all, thank you for listening to the show. Explain this to us. What are we missing here? What's the difference between the two?
4: Okay, no, I'd be happy to because um, I've been a race walker for years. I'm switching over to power walking because uh, knee surgery. You know, we don't have the time to go into that, but um, we might. <laughs> we will make okay. time.
2: All
4: right. Well, here's the here's the uh, difference. In the race walking, imagine you start walking out and your foot goes out in front of you. You jack up your toes so that your knee is straight until it comes beneath your body. And then you're allowed to bend it. Okay? And it, it sounds really awkward at first, but really, you know, you get used to it. So the first thing the judges are looking at is, the, is do you have a straight knee? And if not, they'll they'll tell you. They don't have to. But they usually tell you, hey, number seven, um, bent knee. Okay? If you get three write-ups going around the track um, for a bent knee, for example, you're disqualified. Okay? So usually if it's a 1500, uh, for example, that's the standard uh, short race. They'll let you finish the race and then tell you, oh, by the way, you know, you had three write-ups because they get all the judges together. So you get three write-ups per lap, or you get three
2: write-ups over the course of the 1,500
4: meters? uh, Three three, ups over the course of 1,500 meters. And on the longer races, um, like the um, uh, 5K, for example, the longer race usually depends on how the communication system is set up. You'll find out um, somewhere along the race, and then they'll just come up and say, uh, come on off the course, you know, um, you've been disqualified you've had three write-ups now bill i i I want to ask a follow-up
2: question here because you said you used to do the race walking and now you're doing the power walking what's the difference between those two things
4: okay and i uh thing, i had had knee replacement it was caused by years of running okay the race walking prolonged it until i could get you know old enough to get the surgery uh so it wasn't caused by the race walking. i want to make that point very clear uh having said that Race walking, you have to have that first knee out, you know, straight until it comes under. The, the knees always have to be straight. Power walking, you can have a bent knee, as long as it's not bent so much that it looks like you're running. Like when you're running, your, your knee really is bent, you know, all the way, and that's how your leg is shaped and all that. And again, you can go online and... And and see the difference uh, clearly too.
3: Bill, I gotta uh, hang on. I don't mean to interrupt, <laughs> but I gotta I gotta tell you something right now. Like my brain is fried.
1: <laughs> you are phenomenal,
3: Bill. Not not just that, but my brain is fried. I don't even know if I could compete in this event. I would be so self conscious of if my knees bent, is it bent too much? What am I
1: doing? But you here? know what?
4: You had I mean I have somebody who had who had trained me to do this, and there's the St. Louis racewalkers. Of which they're starting up tonight in Pattonville, and they'll show you how to do it. And, you know, you can get online with St. Louis Racewalkers. It's too far. I live in shallow Illinois. It's just too far for me to go out there all the time. Rives, we're to send you out there. That's where the judges are, and they'll watch you. They're the same judges that judge you in the actual competitions. So they can give you all the guidance in the world. People are very, very friendly. It costs next to nothing to be part of this group, you know, so now, you can Bill, really learn a lot that way. Something.
3: I got to ask something here. With Lance Armstrong's you know, his documentary concluding last night. And I'm listening to you with the rules and regulations of power walking, race walking. Is this a sport where we got to worry about guys with performance enhancing <laughs> techniques or drugs? Do we do I, we have to pee I'll in a cup after, after? do
4: doing it? I don't, think, I don't think we care enough. <laughs> <What> <laughs> you, get? you saw it on the line. I mean, you get a medal at the end. It's not like you're getting money for this or anything like that. So I don't think there's any motivation. But I want to this. grow this, Bill. I want millions no off of jumping this. up the calves <laughs> 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 um, what I should say is what they're looking for in both power walking and race walking, one foot has to be in contact with the ground at all times. So if they see that you're going so fast that it looks like both feet have left the ground, okay, then that would be called they call it lifting, okay that's that's running. So any combination of race walking, of bent knee, three write-ups, a bent knee or lifting, three three in the race, DQ'd. In uh, the power walking, they, it, it'd be harder to get, you know, it'd be probably if you're going fast enough, yeah, they could call lifting. And then if it looks like your knee is so bent that you're almost running, they call that creeping. I don't know where they get these things. I don't know, but I'm starting um, to like it more and more. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that would be, again, it would be the same thing. Three three write ups in a race, you're DQ'd. Okay. All right. And that's Bill, why it's good. I, I got people look at you doing the, you know, doing all the and you know, while you're learning, so they can say, yeah, you're good to go. Okay. So you don't fly out to California and, you know, get DQ'd.
3: So I got a, a quick follow up question on all this. Okay. Being a hockey guy, There's a lot of self-policing that goes on around the ice, right? Somebody sticks you, cheap shots you, bends the rules. Yeah, a little bit of payback later on the corner. Hopefully the referee doesn't catch you. With this speed walking slash power walking or race walking... Like, if you're seeing a guy that isn't being flagged necessarily, maybe they're missing his knee band. Maybe they're missing his feet in the air. Is there any self policing where you throw a little elbow in there on the Give guy? A little flick. Maybe just a little clip of the heel as he's going and down he goes. Like, there's got to be a little bit of that, no? <laughs> this doesn't
4: sound like it's a sport for you. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Bill. Good point. Bill, well, I have a last question
2: for you. Um, yeah. I was unaware of how big this was, apparently. You're flying to races in California. How big is the race-walking and power-walking oh,
4: community? You oh, geez. Um, well, it's huge, but you see the same people over and over again. You know, like <laughs> if you go to the various competitions. Um, but this year, now COVID is going a link it up. but basically the odd number of years or the even number of years are the qualification years and then the odd number of years is when the actual event takes place okay so the next national event uh, for us um, is in Fort Lauderdale in November of 2021
2: sounds like a party this is incredible and, <laughs> I might be involved
4: so in this, this <laughs> is yeah and here's the thing you know uh, you don't get paid for this Bro. so you have to have the money yeah, already, ribs already, uh, has lost interest. well? Well. Um, but, but anyway, um, you don't get paid for this, so, you, you know, you're, you're paying your own money. Now, for example, you know, the top three in each state out of a particular event automatically qualify. You're not going to get 150 people able to go there because many of them are still either because they're taking care of a loved one at home or, you know, for any various reasons why they can't actually make it to the event that they qualified for and yet you're paying your own way so uh you know you're running a house or anything like that now what my wife and i have done is that we use it to oh we're going to minnesota minneapolis this year okay let's read about that the event for the two events i be in they'll take part of two mornings we stay a week there we tour minneapolis or cleveland or louisville or san francisco You know, to me, or Houston, for all the things we've done. So we've used it that way, too. Yeah, I would do that, uh, Bill.
3: I would be pre-scouting, like, Fort Lauderdale. (laughs) I'd be like, what has the best beach bars? Like, where can I be suntan oil in the afternoon, power walking in the morning, basically walking off my vino from the night before? Exactly. Bill,
2: I think what you need to do is you need to get uh, Jamie Rivers' business, Synergy Hockey,
3: to sponsor your power walks. There we go. There you go. The only problem is I have to go with you, Bill. And I'll tell you what: somebody messes with you, and they call you out on it. We're going to self-police the heck out
4: of that race, okay?
3: <laughs> Bill, we wish you all the
2: best, man. Thanks oh, for uh, sure. thanks for playing along with us. We appreciate it. We've uh, we've learned more than I ever
4: thought I would know about race walking and power oh, yeah. walking yeah, today. If you want to look more into the senior games, just go to NSGA. That's November Sierra Golf Alpha. November's. Uh, NSTA.com, and you'll see all the sports that seniors do. It That's, really is incredible.
2: It's amazing. Bill, thanks so much, man. We appreciate you. Thanks, Bill. All
4: right, you guys have a good day. Stay safe. You, you do too. the
2: same. That's Bill joining us here on Ribs of BK on 101 ESPN. I think I love Bill. Had no idea that race walking was a thing. Certainly didn't know that race walking was different than power walking, that there are competitions for both of them. You can do this all across America, and you are judged based on how you do it. And Sounds have- like
3: a lot of pressure on the judges, though. Can you imagine? Like this to me sounds like a sport that. It could be tainted. Like if we're betting on this, right? Like I know <laughs> if we got Vegas, we've got, on us, we've got to start <laughs>
2: betting on this. And we've got to find a way to get one of these out at the racetrack. You, you could buy the judge, right? Hey,
3: that <laughs> that wasn't a knee bend. Here's a Hundo. That wasn't a
2: knee bend. I also wonder if there's people that like specialize in different types of tracks, right? Like, is there one guy that's been just mm. a, a killer on the on like, the pavement? Another guy, track, that, pavement. yeah. Man,
3: I see what you're going.
2: Another guy, your typical track out of whatever it's made out of, the rubber track yeah. Uh, yeah. that you would typically see at a high school or something is there another guy that like when we get on the trails he's just dominating everybody i wonder
3: if you could power walk on trails that seems to me like you're just waiting for a broken ankle guys there there's a
2: united states power walking association (laughs) and the events will be conducted in accordance with uspwa rules except as modified herein wow this is all clarified that bill was not lying Oh, I never thought no, Bill no, was lying had, for a no. second. Well, the text Are you line someone too many details. The text line <laughs> I somewhat, want to have a beer with Bill. The text line somehow thought Bill was making all of this up, which I don't know how Bill would be doing this, Are you kidding no.
3: me? There's a United States Power Walking Association. Bill is our speed walking guru. He is now a partner of 101. He's our insider. Yeah.
2: Our speed walking we insider. insider. We need Fort Lauderdale <laughs> inside information. <laughs> I wonder if he can help us out with the Vegas odds. He can we can go out to one of these different races and he's like, "Hey, that's the favorite. He's at he, 2 to 1." <laughs> he can pre-scout racers in the, for us. And the senior days are 526 days, 16 hours, 41 minutes, like and five that's what seconds what I bet away. i don't know. That's what you want to bet he on brought the up senior the
3: senior circuit because of me. Because he clearly knows, like, you guys. And then he, he yeah. hit on it, like, a couple times. He said, hey, Ribs, you want to come out? sport for I'm you. I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'm not... I don't think I'm a senior. What do you got to be? 55 to be a senior? Yeah, I think 55 I'm is even close, age. dude. I, yeah, I you're mean, I'm there. getting closer than farther. That's for sure. I think you're closer
2: to my grandma's age than to my age. Yikes. You're Silver Fox. And I'm the
3: 45, throat. though. I'm yeah. in tremendous condition. Oh, my God. Guys, <laughs> Guys, this video is phenomenal. They're showing videos of these power walkers, and I am engulfed. They well, bet, I bet they're great dancers, too. Oh, yeah.
2: Salsa, Salsa dancers. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm this guy's got the headbands on, too, the yoga pants. Yeah. This is awesome. That's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex <laughs> Ferraro. I don't know what we're doing. We'll talk about something next.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. This is going to sound terrible,
4: but I am relevant. I am. And I get that. Look, I know that every headline starts with the word disgraced or disgraceful or some version of that word disgrace. But the story is so polarizing and it's just it will always be that way and i know that by knowing it i don't expect it to change i don't want it to change i'm not trying to will it to change it's complicated with former blues defenseman jamie
2: rivers i'm brandon Kylie. it's ribs and bk on 101 espn that was lance armstrong last night on the final episode of the lance documentary lance still doesn't get it he doesn't get it now i will say this about lance armstrong that i respect and appreciate He's genuine. That's him. Mm -hmm. You can take it or leave it. You can love it or hate it, and I get any of the above. But that is truly, genuinely who Lance Armstrong is. And when you hear these people talk about him from the time when he started doing all of the races at 15, 16 years old to what he is today and everything in between, he was a jerk. The whole time, from start to finish, he was cheating to get into races at 15, saying that he was 16 years old on his birth certificate. He It's
3: a little bit different cheating,
2: though. 100%, 100%.
3: You're kind of grouping it together with some other
2: serious things. Sure, but what I'm saying is like, he was basically mocking the entire group that he was racing Mm -hmm. with from the time that he started to where he was when he finished, obviously. That's who he was the whole time. So I appreciate that part of him, the genuine nature of who he is. But that genuine nature is a jerk and he doesn't get it, and he's continuing to put off some of these same statements that he always has, but I did appreciate the fact that the documentary really did kind of put him into a real state of, this is who this guy is, this is who he's always been, this is how he reached the pinnacle, and how he fell from that spot.
3: Yeah, there were a lot of things for me last night that were really interesting, you know, honestly, watching it, I personally went on a little bit of an emotional roller coaster watching it all unfold, and let me clarify that. Because like as a young kid, when just pertaining to me, you're driven. You wanna make the NHL, you wanna go all the way, you wanna be this, that. I see that in Lance Armstrong. I see how driven he was. And then there comes a fork in the road to where is it win at all cost or is it continue down the straight path? And Lance veered off the course yeah. at that point, right? He he decided that it's gonna be win at all cost. And then was the pressure of the sponsors, the uh, the media, all the attention... Was that the pressure of that so great that he's willing to do anything to win? Now, in Lance's defense, okay, the whole damn Tour de France was doping pretty much, yep. okay? Like, I'm not going to blanket the entire field, but let's just say all the best ones, all the headliners from every different team, every different country, they were all doping. So it's not like he was unique... In the fact that, you know, he was doping. He was still the greatest, even though he was doping. And to me, it's like, it's a tough one. And I, I just, I, I don't feel bad for the guy because he made a very conscious decision to do it. But I don't want it to be overlooked that everybody else was doing it, too. And he was still the greatest at the time. He was. And I...
2: I... I think there's something to be said for the way that you respond to the accusations and then the the claims that were ultimately based to be true, right? And so you got a guy like Barry Bonds, for instance. We got this from the text lines. People like Bonds are the the ones who ultimately get it. Uh, they, They take what they deserve. The reason why Bonds is treated the way he is is because of the way he responded to the allegations, because he was a jerk about it. And it's the same thing for Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun was a jerk and threw everybody around him under the bus whenever he was found out to be a cheater. You've got other guys who respond to these things and they come out and they say, I'm really sorry. And. Whether they are or aren't, it doesn't much matter for us. We just want them to show that they're contrite over the situation. I think Uh it was Andy Pettit who did that, basically. So depending on your response to the allegations, we will decide in that moment if we still like you or not. A-Rod has done this weird thing where he was hated for years, and now he's suddenly become a little bit more liked in the public sphere. I'm going to be really interested in the coming years. Of whether or not we're able to get to that point with Lance. Because Lance is still a jerk, but he's starting to come back into the public sphere again. We're seeing him do some guest appearances on NBC for the Tour to France. He's doing a podcast now, where, which is one of the top-rated podcasts mm-hmm. in the industry. He does this kind of a documentary where it's basically his tell-all. This is what happened. This is how it all went down. This is how I feel about it today. I'm going to be really interested to kind of keep our, our our finger on the pulse of this story over the coming years to see if things do start to turn around for, for Lance.
3: One thing I, th- I think, too, can't go ignored is the amazing amount of work that he did for cancer survivors, right? Like, let's not lose sight of that. And in the documentary, they go over it in detail, how he was the last guy to leave the building and talking to kids and, and raising money and raising awareness and how it became... Cool to talk about it after you know you're having some kind of a cancer battle, so I think that can't be overlooked. It's so hard because you look at Lance Armstrong and you're like, well, scumbag, what a scumbag! He's so into himself, he's so egotistical, he's never had a relationship that's worked out, he's always had problems with everybody around him. The common denominator is Lance Armstrong. But then you flip it over and you go, okay. He sold, like, 25 or 50 million Livestrong yeah. bracelets. He, I remember those I had them for a too. while, yeah. I talked to my wife last night. I said, everybody had a yellow bracelet on at one point. Like, everybody did. And if not, you bought, like, four or five, gave them to your friends, whatever it was. He also became, like, I, I lived
2: next door to a kid that ended up getting cancer whenever he was, like, 15, 16 years old. Tragically passed away after the fact from that cancer. But his family started selling, it wasn't Live Strong bracelets, but they called it Jake Strong. His name was Jake. Yeah. And so they were selling those around the high school mm-hmm. or at their church or all these different places. And so they were able to raise money off of basically taking the same idea and localizing it. It so, inspired that a lot because I know Petrangelo had a family friend when he was a kid who passed away away at a young age and he wears a bracelet with that kid's name and yeah. strong at the end of it the other thing it did too guys is it inspired a lot of people who had cancer to continue to fight because when you get cancer a lot of people just give up especially if you're young but i think lance armstrong was a pretty big inspiration for people to say okay i'm gonna keep this guy can do this
3: i can do it yeah and that's the part that becomes probably uh, confusing right because it's, a complicated legacy. it's very complicated. Uh, I know how much work he had to put in to become elite, even though he was doping and all that stuff. I go back to it. You know, all the best guys were doping at the time, and they all still talk about Lance Armstrong as an animal, a beast, you know, just a guy that was like above and beyond. And I know he had help, but he still is a phenomenal athlete. And also, the flip side of that, all of the other work he did with the cancer. Um, foundation and Livestrong and all that. So, so you know what I thought
2: was the most powerful part of the documentary last night was Lance Armstrong talking about Jan Ulrich, right? The 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 German racer who was basically the number two to Lance over yeah. a long period of time, and Jan was in a similar situation in Germany that Lance is here. He has been basically thrown to the side. He's been disgraced by the fact that he was a doper as well. And Lance kind of looks at him through the same lens where he says, that that is my peer. He doesn't really seem to look at a lot of the cyclists as his peers. No. They were below him. They they didn't compete with him. He was on a different tier, a different level. He was essentially playing a different sport than the rest of them. But with Jan, he broke down on camera in a way that felt very real. Like he, he There was a moment of huge emotion that overcame him when he talked about going over and seeing Jan, who has dealt with a lot of issues over over the years stemming from some of these things, I, I thought that was the best moment from it because it gave us a little bit of a glimpse into the, the competitiveness of what he is. And when he sees somebody that pushed him and he said, I, I wasn't waking up early in the morning for any of these guys that were with me. I was waking up to compete with Jan. And when he gets to that point, you can kind of see that competitive fire come out in the way that it should be rooted from, Mm. which is like this love and appreciation for the sport and the guys that did push him to become even better than he was. So I thought that was the best part from the documentary last night. With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, Jr. our friend, as Bernie Federico and six other former Blues 14 questions over the weekend about some of their favorite memories from their times playing for the Blues. I want to throw a few of those at Jamie Rivers. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So Jeremy Rutherford asked Bernie Federico, Jeff Brown, Jamal Myers, Reed Lowe, Cam Jansen, Keith Kachuk, Chris Pronger. Fourteen questions over the weekend. Jamie Rivers. Ooh, that's a lot of questions. We're going to ask some of those. Especially for Cam. To Ooh. Jamie Rivers. Uh, let's start with this one. These are quick hitters. We'll just okay. get uh, maybe uh, an answer from you and then maybe a quick story. Your favorite blues coach of all time is who? Okay, head coach or just coach?
3: Let's get both. Okay, favorite coach of all time, Jamie Roberts. Bar none. Jimmy Roberts. And why? This guy was an absolute beauty. I mean, he played way back in the original six, and he had stories and methods of, like, coaching guys that were unheard of. Like, we had one practice where we he didn't bring pucks out. And we thought, okay, we're getting skated. It's going to be one of those. No. Like, then he had us line up and do the drills without pucks. I don't know why, you know. And, and I was about it's, to
2: say, is there a, like a visualization thing to I this? I guess.
3: It was just Jimmy's way. Like, he had these little tactics of it brought the guys together. Because you're all sitting there laughing like this guy's lost his mind. And then you start to have fun with it, you know. And then guys would come down and, like, pretend they're taking the slap shot. And, like, Jimmy would yell, hit the net. you'd be like, we don't have a puck, Jimmy. Right? Like it's, So Jimmy was my favorite coach. Bar none. He had so many amazing things that he did. Um, so he's my guy. And then head coach have to be Joel Quenville. You know, Coach Q did a fantastic job here with the Blues. Um, and for me, it was such an improvement over Mike Keenan uh, for me personally and obviously the performance I of the think team it as was, well.
2: If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Pronger who said this, and I apologize if it wasn't him. It was one of them that said this in the question, question and answered with uh, Jeremy Rutherford who said Q was basically the opposite of Mike Keenan. That was
3: probably Pronger. That was probably all of them, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the
2: Pronger, who played for him. Pronger dealt with the worst, I think, from Keenan Wright. Yeah. Keenan Keenan
3: used to just obliterate him on and off the ice. Yeah, he was it was brutal, but yeah, Coach Q is uh, the head coach. Jimmy Roberts, overall coach. I, I love Jimmy; he real, was amazing. Real quick before we go, began, I, to this day, and I interviewed Mike Keenan a couple years ago, and I did uh, before
2: the Winter Classic. I did like an alumni thing. Keenan still takes credit
3: for the fact that Pronger turned into a Hall of Famer. You know what? I don't even want to go there. No, I know. It's, Honestly, it's just amazing to me. Mike Keenan is that guy. After, Let me just put it, sum it up, okay? After a win, Mike Keenan would tell the media the boys stuck to the game plan and they did what they were supposed to do. This is how we drew it up. After a loss, they didn't do what they were supposed to do never and same can we say there players like that so he made chris pronger yeah. right if chris pronger would end up not ever amounting to anything he would have blamed chris pronger the player for not being able to um learn from mike Quick
2: question for you on that. How much do players pay attention to what their coaches say in the media?
3: Well, I think you're forced to. I mean, you do want to get a gauge of the temperature. Like, if the coach is going off in the paper about you, sure. No, like, I, I was just you curious. You want to know about it. Like, guys, I all that I don't read the papers. Well, when it's your name that's specifically being brought up, and it's Mike Keenan at that time, and you're a young player, you know what's being said. And yeah, it matters.
2: Next question: biggest prankster from your Blues playing days?
3: Oh, Mark Bergerman. Bergevin was awesome. He had some. He's big, now a GM. Yeah, he's a GM. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is uh, we cross paths last year and he was at one of the games is watching we weren't playing the canadians That was
2: Keith Kachuk's answer, by the way.
3: And he comes into the the booth, and we're kind of yucking, and he goes right into, like, Bergie mode. Like, right away into, like, funny little one-liners and stuff, and you're sitting there going, this guy's a general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Like, it's crazy.
2: We've had conversations with him before at the rink, and I always ask that question at the end of it. Mark,
3: how are you a general manager right now? The stories that you hear about somebody like that. He's extremely smart, though. He always was a real smart guy. He was a real good teammate. And, you know, I'm not surprised... To say the least It's just funny When you think of the stories And all the things Over the years And then you, he ends up Being like You got a...
2: Billy G Billy Garen. Billy Garen Also yeah. was one of Keith Kachuk's answers oh, yeah, To this yeah. question well,
3: Everything Billy did Keith laughed at So <laughs> I don't know If Billy was so funny Or Keith was just A good audience But <laughs>
2: <laughs> The best
3: captain You played with Was who Oh boy in For the blues Right uh, Let's open it up For you uh, Best captain I ever had Steve Eiserman you know, just epitomizes what yeah. you want as a captain. And now, being fair to Chris Pronger and now and, and McInnis and Brett Hull, for that matter, being here and some of the other great leaders that I, I played with over the years, but Steve is just on is just on another level. He just, he just got it. You know, he sacrificed of himself for the team, realized what he had to do to push play. He was literally like a head coach slash teammate and a psychologist all at the same time. He was it's pretty impressive. So Steve Eiserman, as far as blue's concerned, I love Holly. I'm going with Holly. I thought Holly was a great captain. You, you know, people would disagree with that. You have to understand how I'm saying it. If you get one guy that has a bunch of guys to buy into something, Holly was the guy that could convince the room. To come together.
2: You said Wayne Gretzky was a
3: great dude to play with as well, He right? was. Short-lived, right? Like, yeah. they, we gave the C. We. Like, I had something to do with it. The Blues gave the C to Gretzky when he came here, out of respect, and how great of a leader he was over the years. But, you know, a very quiet leader. A great guy. Phenomenal guy. Being the best player in the world and still being approachable and being a good teammate made him special and unique. Um, but, you know, as far as captains go, like guys that you want to jump in the foxhole with, you know, Gretzky, for me, wasn't that guy. Sure. But still, it's impressive.
2: Ribs, was there a player on the Blues that wasn't a captain that you thought could have been a captain?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, Cause look. I always thought Walt could have been a captain. Well, Walt should have been the captain, yeah. I, I, quite honestly, Walt is... He's one of those guys, like, big Walt in the room. Like, what he says kind of goes, and he kind of policed the room as it was. But he happened to be around when other guys were good mm-hmm. leaders, too. And the old saying is you don't necessarily always have to wear the C to be the captain. Mm-hmm. And Walt is that guy. I love Walt so much, and he sacrificed of himself. He was a good team guy. was always about the team, the trainers, the little guy, you know. he He in my opinion, he should have been able to wear the C for the Blues.
2: Uh, last one for you. Most underrated Blues player that you played alongside? Oh, man. Underrated.
3: Underrated. Like, this is a tough one, right? Because I go back to three guys. Um, two of them had longer careers than, than one of them, but I go back to Scott Pellerin, Craig Conroy, and Blair Atchidham. And they were they were our version of the Sunquist line last year. And To me, if I'm going to pick one of those guys, I'd say Crank Conroy. He went on to do some really amazing things in Calgary and was a Selkie Trophy winner. But he just, to me, was always underrated. Like, you, you talked about the best defensive players in the league. And, oh, yeah, and Craig Conroy. Meanwhile, he's getting all the tough matchups every night. And he broke into the league as a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see that till he played in Calgary with a where he was almost point for point with a as they went on to that epic run that one year where they went to the final against Tampa Bay.
2: He was one of the reasons they were a Stanley Cup contending team. I mean, everybody points to Jerome McGinley and Mika Kippersoff, but Craig Conroy was like an 80-point player that season. Yeah, a
3: phenomenal. Defensive guy, yeah. uh, face-offs, and an incredible teammate as well. He's so. always been a top-five player for me, too. Turbo, that was my nickname for him. Connie's Turbo, because he—he's—you know how birds have like the quick head that like snaps yeah. around all the time. He was always talking super fast, and his head was moving all over the place, and I was like, "Holy crap, Turbo, <laughs> take a breather," you know. But that's just was his personality. I absolutely love the guy. Could have called him Twister. Obviously, you had a twister as kind of well. Tough. If I yell but... twister, I'm going to get two guys turned around. <laughs> Come on, BK. With former Blues defenseman
2: Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things
1: over with the Fast Lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
2: With former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Time to cross things over with the Fast Lane. Chris
3: Ronji in studio. Ronji, what's up, man? Hello
2: got to turn that mic on uh, that helps
0: yeah when i'm sitting over here I'm... totally
3: distracted no mic on he's on his phone like uh, well I, Ron, I, I, i'm sorry okay. that we're bothering no, you no no okay. no
0: i got on my phone to make sure
2: i i didn't pull a randy and have the ringer on oh that's know. actually known as That's Jamie rivers that happened here. to
3: me one day that happened to me where i was trying to pull something up for one of our segments that i had like earmarked or tagged and every time i turned the phone on it would start to play yeah. like it was a video and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing wrong <laughs> yeah, it didn't
5: happen one time it happened twice
3: Twice, yeah, yeah. In once one in day. an interview uh, yeah in like an hour so, actually
1: like how long ago was this and uh, has it happened three since? Weeks,
3: Two weeks probably it has weeks not happened so? since so no. you've learned your lesson i've now. learned yes i'm definitely the rat that bites the cheese gets shocked and doesn't go back to the cheese necessarily so you're a lab rat rat Yeah, kind of. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) More or less. (laughs) So, Ron, I got a question for you. Okay, We had a, um, I'm going to chalk it up to an incredible segment with a 101 listener, our buddy of the show. His name was Bill. Okay, Bill. We took a caller, which is rare around here. We took a caller. And let me tell you why we took a caller. Do you know the difference between race walking and power walking?
1: Um, no
2: Exactly Do you know what the difference is is between those two and jogging? And jogging, yeah Uh, Okay, so uh, Jogging You can have both feet off the ground at once Okay, yeah. Right. Yep. you're doing good so far. The other two, I don't know what the difference you is. You just have to put the one foot on the ground for the other two. But then for the race walking, I believe it is. Tell me if I'm mixing these two up. Jane. I'm lost. I'm not yours. Br- so much. Yeah. Well, race walking, I believe, is the one where you have to have your front leg extended and no knee bend. No knee bend. F- until you get your body above the knee and you're like parallel to the ground. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So once you get here, you can continue moving and you can switch over to your other leg and that's how it works. I didn't believe With, that. Uh-huh. With
3: the power walking, do the same thing you can have
2: a slight knee bend from what we understand. Okay.
3: And this has judges too. And if you get flagged, written up like three times in a race... Well, they don't just stop you in the race. So however long it is, you just keep going. And at the end, they're like, hey, by the way, you got flagged three times. Thank you for your effort, though.
2: And there's a U.S. Power Walking Association. All true. That judges it. Yeah. Is that right? There's yeah. races across huh. the country. You can travel travel the country and uh, go to these qualification races. Where is it? Fort Lauderdale? Fort, Fort Lauderdale's, Lauderdale's next, next year. One. And then the Odd big Odd years are the years for the big race. Uh, even years are the qualification races. I'm going to go back to looking at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> like this, is, so how long did you spend on that? We about got a nine full minutes. Out about of this. nine minutes on that bad boy. We and had a listener call in. Okay, so but all right, it's basically let me, let me, our it. Teach Us Tuesday, but on a Monday. I don't yeah. know if anybody's asked this question.
3: Uh Why? <laughs> why did we do it? Yeah. I don't know. Well, we started well, off talking up? about poop, and <laughs> we did. what we usually do. Uh, corn. Like, so yeah, go back corn. to that discussion. Corn I said, and poop. How, yeah. Okay. Uh, corn has got to be magical. Okay, and, and hear me out for a second. You take the corn, yeah, you, you chew it, it up, and then it's and it reassembled. Co- and, that's yeah, right. I get it. So okay. it, literally it's uh-huh. magic. And so we were talking about that, and then I don't know how we got to power walking. You were telling the story about your power walking. Oh <laughs> yeah, situation. you've been power walking. Yeah, you've been, and been power, walking. power walking escaped, to get yeah, away from I've been family, away from things, and just going for like a thirty minute walk or power walk or a run or whatever, right? Uh huh. And then we get onto this power walk, and then what's the difference between a power walk and a, and a, and a jog and we are like, what the heck? We didn't even know the difference. So Bill was great listening to our show. He offered up his number to give him a call, and he brought us in on all this
2: Well, fascinating stuff. Well, uh so you guys are getting a big audience coming from us. Yeah.
3: You want to yeah. go power walking later? Robert? Uh Sure. Sure. Well, apparently, though, you're not allowed to elbow people. Uh, ribs is out. Well, yeah, why Bill, would you- Bill said I wouldn't be very good at power washing. <laughs> <laughs> why do you want to elbow people? Well, if they get ahead or if I notice a little bit too much of a knee bend or a little bit more of a jump. self-police. Yeah, self-police yeah. a little bit. Here's a little, little elbow for you. That's what officials you. are for, man. They're, what if they they're, they're, miss it, Ronge? Then, then you just... <laughs> Got to even it up. You just walk better. You Good know? point from
2: the text <laughs> line, guess. 65780. Hey, Ronj, I think the guys found one of the events that you could use in your challenge with the Rizzuto show. We yeah. should do a. Wait, so that's what it wait, is. Wait, power walk or the speed walk? Which one do we I do? I don't know. I would do Z- the power walk. It seems like there's a, a, right. at least a little bit of a knee bend allowed in, in that yeah. one. So. The
3: Rizzuto show, they will bend that. They'll be running, full out yeah. running. I know those guys. Yeah. And you don't want to
2: tear anything. Don't you feel like uh, the walking, the whichever one it is that you can't bend, <laughs> your leg don't you feel that's like that speed would be walking that or race lead, walking
0: okay that would lead to
3: knee injuries that's, okay. yeah, that's what ACL they said problems yeah the hyper extending of the knee yeah, a little so bit if you get a little too much momentum right. and you straighten out that leg i would be very careful with that i wouldn't like that so why are we doing that i don't know it's a great question Well, we didn't say we were we were just trying to figure out which one was what i meant, I Mons, meant
2: listen I'm, I'm a runner man i don't do any of this stuff i oh. meant collectively as a society why are we doing it Supposed to be really good for you, Ron. Yeah, man, I keep Well, obviously shape. not if it's going to shred your knee. Well, it's better than jogging. Do it correctly, and you won't shred your knee. Yeah, do okay, you, but do you want to be obese or do you want to wear walk? The knee braces? Well, you could power walk instead. Follow step. the rules. You could power walk, or you could, you power power could jog. Walk. That's only a slight knee band, and jogging is difficult for some people. Okay, it's true. Well, I don't okay. know why you're looking
3: at Ronge when you just said that either. I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't take that, Ron, What's coming up on the fast
2: lane, man? I'm sure it can't be as riveting as this. No, but I'm sure you guys are going to talk. There's just a lot of stuff.
1: Okay. we got a lot of stuff coming up here. I don't know, some baseball stuff. Some, let's see, non-baseball stuff. Lots of stuff. If you want to hear stuff
2: for the next four hours, this is the place, baby. Because we are just full of stuff.
3: Enjoy. I've heard that about you. Just full of it. That's right,
2: baby. <laughs> That is right. Are you guys excited about the stuff we got coming up? I can't wait. I think it's going to be great, man. As long as my my radio, as long as my podcast doesn't work in my car, then I'll be listening to the stuff. (laughs) Wow, wow! Just listen to the stuff, would you? Fine, I'll listen to the stuff. All right, Fastlane coming up next with stuff on one hundred and one ESPN.
1: You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on one hundred and one ESPN.